Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be talking about the upcoming Pokemon Presents, which is happening on Pokemon Day next week. We'll give some of our predictions of what we think will happen, at least as things regard to the Play Pokemon program during that announcement. We will talk this week as well about the TCG Live update and letter to the community that the developers posted on the TCG Live forum. Some pretty interesting stuff and then also a pretty solid update as well that we'll delve into exactly what they changed. Uh, we will, of course, have everyone's favorite segment, Guess That Flavor Text. And we'll close things out by talking about the Champions, Champions League Fukuoka results. I think I said that right. We said it very wrong last week, so we apologize. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll talk about the results from the Champions League over in Japan this past week. Recap our predictions. Some of us were extremely right. Some of us less so. We'll talk. I mean, it was me. Spoiler alert. I was very right. <laughs> we'll talk about that, though, later on in the cast. Um, but for now, let's kick things off. My name is Chipper. She joined here, as always. By my friend and co-host Azul GG. What's up, Azul? How are we doing, buddy? Doing good, Chip. Got to watch uh, most of, or actually all of, uh, the Champions League over the weekend. Um, yeah, watch all the all the rounds that they they put out there. They showed off, um, and uh, it was it was exciting. It was cool to see some of the new decks. Of course, like watching Best of One is. It always comes back. Like when I watch Champions League, it's like I definitely wish, especially like once you get to Top Cut, that like they did play Best Two Out of Three. Um, but even then there's like some matches where you wish to get like another game out of them or something. Cause there was a lot of games that were basically decided in the first couple turns just due to like poor draws on one side or another. So, um, but yeah, it was still fun to watch it all, watch the new cards get played. Uh, and we saw quite, quite a few of them actually get put to work or get put to use, um, to like make a difference in the, the new format, the new meta, some old decks, some new decks, uh, some returning decks as well. Uh, so yeah, it was a fun weekend of Pokemon. Yeah, some pretty crazy <laughs> results, honestly. Uh, but we'll talk about that shortly. Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. Not that much. I was not as committed as you were. Also, it's a little easier on your West Coast time to stay up until like, I don't know, like what time was the last round finishing every day? Like the second day was maybe like 1 a.m. The first day was like 2 a.m. Yeah. Um, or so maybe like, about the same, actually, to be honest. Maybe that, like 2 that would be doable but... if it was 1 a.m., 2 a.m., but like... I'm not staying up until 4 a.m., 5 a.m., uh, yeah. right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I tuned in a little bit and watched your stream. I, I, I will say, like, it's nice to, like, because uh, I've watched the Japanese streams in the past, but it's, like, it's easy to uh, become distracted because I would usually, like, watch them on mute because, like, I don't understand Japanese, don't understand what they're saying. So then I start doing other stuff on my computer, and then it's just, like, oh, I'm not even really watching the game. So, like, watching you watch it was definitely nice because it let me hear someone talking about it and it kept me more like interested in what was happening in the games that I yeah. did watch. Um, they did some really weird stuff as well with the champions league stream where they were like showing rounds that were from previous rounds. Right. So like you knew that yeah, they always already kind of, they did a lot of jumping around and like at one point I remember during the day two stream, they literally showed a match from day one that like yeah. just never got shown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause they have like a, two or three stages up on the stage there um, or two or three setups up on the stage where they're like um, watching games. Like they stream the main stage match. It seems like every single time. And then if there's enough downtime, they um, show uh, the other match or even like jump into the middle of the other match while it's happening. Um, 
but then when they're filling downtime in day two or like so specifically like the time for the announcement of the new cards when they were going to be leaked was for um what was it um it was like before top cut right is what they said yeah it was supposed to be leaked at uh like 10 p.m specifically my time and it's like it was like nine and it's like okay well it looks like they're gonna probably do the announcement early but then they just like filled up time until exactly 10 p.m pretty much with uh games from day two like one was from day two and one was yeah from day one even so (laughs) they just kind of filled it all up um yeah, so that's like a little bit uh, annoying, I guess, that they're not just like jumping into the next round or like doing the card announcements and then jumping to the next round. So some fellowship because a lot less interesting to watch a match where it's like you know this match doesn't really matter anymore at this point. But besides that, um, yeah, it's cool to see the the new cards uh, and see the Japanese players play as well, what they have going on. So yeah, that was super fun over the weekend to to be watching that. Um, but then yeah, just kind of for me in general over the last week, just doing content stuff in general. Um, what about you? Did you do anything? exciting besides tune into the champions league a little bit uh not really we didn't have too much going on Uh, i did go to a league cup on saturday which was fun i didn't make top eight unfortunately i law i played gardevoir which i have not really played very much myself but i've watched a lot of people play it and so i was like you know what i think i'll be like okay and i think i played pretty bad especially in my first round (laughs) i made some like i just did some kind of silly things that put myself in bad spots and then i still almost won but i like and my opponent maybe got a little lucky to actually close it out but like i shouldn't have been in that position regardless and then one of the rounds i literally just uh it was against like roaring moon and i didn't attack until they were i didn't take a knockout until they were at two prizes already and i had a small chance to win with like iono and stuff but he was able to off the iono to one establish a roaring moon from one with just one energy so you know it happens but uh yeah going four two means you don't make top cut usually at league cup so another <laughs> reason best of one feels not so super good but i think it makes the most sense obviously for locals but i could yeah i i saw your tweets uh talking about you know anyone who what is it that you said anyone who is like thinks that we should switch to best of one should just watch a champions league tournament yeah <laughs> no let's anyone who thinks best of one is better should watch a watch a champions league tournament because i think that like you fully get to see why best out of three is so much better i think one thing people forget about best two out of three as well is just like the like the level of play or like the level of play but the the play the watching players like adapt from game one to the game two and game two to game three it's just like there's such like a high level of play to like see and makes the, the matchup so much more interesting and intricate when you watch players you know play out a full best two out of three as opposed to just playing one game. And even if the game isn't like a donk or someone doesn't de- draw poorly, it's still so much more enjoyable and entertaining to watch a best two out of three. Um, and all the people who want best of one would, I'm sure still want best two out of three for top cut, of course, but limiting it to just three rounds of best two out of three in a whole tournament feels like such a, it feels like you're just nerfing the skill expression and almost like the, like the beauty of the the playing of the game of Pokemon when you take it from from what it can potentially be in a best two out of three match and then reducing it to a best of one match. The variance um, just goes up so, so much for one game. Yeah, there's just so much more to a best two out of three match in Pokemon than there is to a best of one uh, besides just avoiding people like dead drawing or drawing poorly. Just like, yeah, it's just like, 
it's such a ma massive gap in terms of like enjoyability in terms of watching and enjoyability in terms of playing it. I just don't understand why anyone would want best of one. And as, and like even my understanding of like the Japanese players, I'm pretty sure they all want best two out of three as well, especially like the higher end players. I'm sure some of like the more casual players in Japan don't really care. Um, but like for the more competitive players, I'm pretty sure they're a big fan of uh, best two out of three as well. So yeah, <clears throat> grass is always greener. I guess yeah. in the situation a little bit, a little bit. Um, oh, but actually, well, yeah. like, one thing with that as well, actually, like maybe it's just an, a, like a North American thing, to be honest, because in Europe and Australia, like majority of their like cups and challenges are best two out of three. Like I think every single like someone in my chat was like every cup and challenge in Australia is best two out of three because, you know, they have less of them over there. Like in North America, we're spoiled a little bit with cups and challenges like you go like I don't like when I lived in depending on where you live. Yeah, but for the most part, like yeah, yeah, everywhere yeah. I've lived, like I could go to a, like two cups or two challenges pretty much every single weekend of yeah, every sure. single week for where I lived in Indiana and when I lived in uh, Massachusetts. So but over in Europe, Australia, um, I feel like they have a little bit less access most of the time. There's probably like in the UK and stuff, it's probably pretty good access to locals. But I know they're bigger fans of like best out of three in general, like, even at like local tournaments. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, he's ever going to. Hopefully it never changes. Hopefully it doesn't change. Hopefully they don't take us back to best of one. Yeah, because we did have it before. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's pros and cons to both things. And like you said, I think it is probably just a grass is always greener type situation. But uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and hop into things. And I guess first off, before we talk about our first kind of main topic, there is one other thing that kind of popped up this week that we did want to at least mention. And that was a new registration process that RK9 Labs uh, introduced with the registration that happened this past week for the Orlando regional championships. I think they did introduce it for like a Dragon Ball or Digimon or One Piece tournament a little bit before, uh, but this is the first time the Pokemon community was seeing it. So for anyone who doesn't know, Arcanine Labs handles like all the registration for Pokemon tournaments. Um, and the previous system that they've had employed has left a lot of people really frustrated, you know, constantly refreshing, being put, uh, being told, you know, getting that red bar that says the tournament is at capacity right now, but refresh, come back 15 minutes later, try again, all this stuff. People just spam refresh for an hour and then yeah, they're like, and then after an hour, they just don't get in. So it just leaves people really frustrated. And this past week uh, for Orlando regionals, we saw kind of their new setup, the, uh, first come first serve uh, system. Azul, you want to tell us about it because you registered using this system. Yeah. So basically, it is basically seems like it is just coming down to a. There's a couple new pages or like one new page you have to go through where it basically is like you you go through the process of clicking the green register button. You tick all the boxes for like the terms of service and stuff, and then you click register, and then it puts you in a like a virtual queue where it's like feeding the information through the site and like um if you were depending on when you clicked register um wherever you fall in the lineup of people is where it'll let you into the uh confirming your registration and then taking to the the payment processing page um and if you are you know if there's like was it 2200 players or something masters for orlando so if you're like two or your number two, two, what, three, one or something, then you will basically not get into registration. So it's like, it seems to be like pretty much on the first come first serve basis, which I think pretty much everyone is fine with. But yeah, the problem with like the last process we had 
is you would like it would like you would sit you know, like you'd go to register and it would say um basically the process is overwhelmed right now try again to register and it would, you could you could be sitting there for like 45 minutes or an hour um sitting there refreshing the page clicking register refreshing the play page clicking register for that long and it's just so much more nice to just like either be in or be out and just be done with it like no one wants to sit there for an hour trying to register because there's a possibility you could register yeah everyone just wants to try and register and if you get in you're in great we move on and if you're out you're out and you know we move on we don't have to sit there for another 45 minutes to figure out if we're in or not at that point so definitely yep. a better system this makes me wonder when was the previous system implemented and then what was the system before that system or has it always been the system that we that we just had but i feel like that was a new system that they put in like last year yeah i think it was and then what before... was the system beforehand it was just like true first come first serve, I feel like. But the website was like constantly being overloaded and crashing, I think. Okay. Because so of they like couldn't handle the load of the amount of people registering. If I'm remembering right, it's been a little while, so I don't 100% yeah. know. But also like before that, for sure, um, there this just like was not an issue for such a long time, right? Yeah, like you could course, register yeah. like, you know, weeks after registration opened for such a long time. So... Yeah, but uh, yeah, then, way better system now, and yeah. yeah, definitely good to see that they have adjusted it. And I think there will still be some people who have their their gripes with this one, but I think over across the board, the majority of people are are more content with what we're what we have now than what we had before Orlando registration. And then also today, the day that this episode comes out, uh, seven p.m. GMT, two p.m. Eastern time, I think is going to be EUIC registration as well. So we'll really get kind of the first good look at. Uh, how a lot of whenever I think a tournament is probably going to sell out very fast. I think it's the day know. after. What's that? this day? The day after? Would you say the day after this day or this day? I think it's today. No, no registration no. opens February twenty first. Oh wait, re- no twenty second. That's really My- weird. I'm looking at it on Arcanine's. <laughs> I think I guess this is just wrong then, uh, because I do see that here. EUIC player registration wave one February twenty second at seven p.m. But down here it says registration opens at 24, 20. <laughs> this has to just be wrong, right? Yeah, well, yeah, everything I've seen is 22 at 7 p.m. Okay, and I think the, so... the page on the official Pokemon site is the 22nd at 7 p.m. But well, yeah, maybe, the, uh... maybe check this page tomorrow, see if something... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll check it now. Now I'm going to check it. Uh, yeah, little uncommon energy exclusive. Go give it a peep, I guess. <laughs> but <laughs> I imagine registration will be going up February 22nd. So... This is a turn like for Orlando, for example. Um, it's not a tournament that sold out immediately, right? Um, I was pretty fast, actually. I think I don't know. No, I remember I went and tried to register the night, like hours okay. after registration opened. You register just, right I now. I could still have registered. I cannot register right now. It is sold okay, out okay. now. But now it's sold out. Okay. Um. So it was definitely open for a little while. Uh. But it did fill up. Um. You know, they tweeted about you know the different screens and stuff that you could see like you were talking about. So yeah, I think it'll be interesting with EUIC registration. That's going to be a tournament that will likely sell out very quickly. Yeah. What that first come first serve uh, system actually looks like. Yeah, it'll, it'll go pretty quickly. I think I'm curious to see how many seats uh, we, I mean, the Excel center is pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have the, they had, there's the space at the actual venue to have a pretty big tournament. And they know um, that the demand for this is going to be crazy. Like, they yeah. have to know, right? I think the next hurdle, honestly, is not finding venues with more space, but probably finding enough staff. I think it's yeah. probably the next hurdle yeah. in the growth of the Pokemon TCG Masters division. Um, and one thing 
that would free up staff to not be handing out match slips would be to put the results pairings or whatever be able to report on your phone who won your match and no longer have people cutting up match slips printing match slips and then dishing out match slips to every single table everyone with cell service um who's connected for wi-fi can just report their match on their phone and everyone else who can't there'll be like a little station with one person at the hive or you can call like down a judge and then if the judge has service they can like input your match for you on their phone um so i think that'd be like one step in freeing up people to um who are staffing events to be able to do you know the other duties that'd be necessary to have larger events so i think that's kind of like that's kind of in that chain of or in that process of like a tournament's getting bigger would be to you know staff might become a problem a shortage of staff might become a problem but for where we currently are in the process of what staff does at tournaments we can free up those people from doing those things every single round and they can become you know floor judges or whatever else you need to have a tournament run smoothly yeah, hopefully that's something we see soon. It's it definitely something that I think needs to be updated as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, let's move on and let's talk about the Pokemon Presents that is coming out next Tuesday. So we'll be able to talk about the results of it on the podcast next week. But um, there is going to be a Pokemon Presents on Pokemon Day, which is February 27th. Going to be at 6 a.m. Pacific time that Tuesday, 9 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, and yeah, they in the past have used the Pokemon Presents around this time of year to announce the official dates of the upcoming World Championships. So I think a lot of people are expecting that that's where we're going to hear uh, finally get confirmation of the dates for the upcoming World Championships in Honolulu. What else have they announced on here as far as like the play Pokemon like tournament structure stuff for? Is I don't just think worlds? much. What about like? cards have they ever talked about the cards they have not no it literally just is the world states as far as like competitive as Pokemon, far as competitive like VGC or tcg concerned. yeah they're always talking about they always announce stuff for v for the video games on here but nothing like even connected to like the video game competitions right last year they did i think during a pokemon presents in the summer <clears throat> i want to say um they did reveal like the what the champion playmat and hat and all that stuff looked like. Oh yeah. I remember that. That sounds familiar. Um, yeah. But I think they're just, they're mostly using it. I mean, cause like the majority, like the vast majority of the people who are uh, watching this Pokemon presents, they like don't really know anything about play Pokemon, Pokemon organized play, right? Yeah. Um, so more than anything, I think it serves as a purpose to kind of introduce the more casual or like the uh, the wider Pokemon fan base, uh, introduce them to the fact that like such a thing even exists. Because that's, I think, a big part, like such a high percentage of people in uh, just like general Pokemon fandom, like don't even know of the existence of like the world championships or like of co the competitive circuit, right? Really what it, maybe they know about worlds, but they don't know like about regionals and all these things that go on all throughout the year. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Yeah. So yeah, we'll probably just be able to expect the, I mean the last two, two, what po Pokemon days, Pokemon presents on Pokemon day. They've announced the the dates for the world championships. Yeah. Have they ever given us more info than that or is it just the dates and remember what the last one was like? 
Um, I think it was just the dates. I'm trying to find last year's Pokemon Presents. Um, but I can't find it at the moment. Okay. Yeah, here we go. Last year's Pokemon Presents. Uh, and they did... Oh, they did announce last year during this the Pokemon TCG Classic. Mm-hmm. So that's where this product got announced. We see something about that. Um, they announced Worlds right here. World Championships 2023. Also, they had this crazy animatronic Pikachu, man. Like that. that <laughs> Hopefully this thing does not make an appearance. Hopefully this thing got... <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, they announced the world states. I think that's pretty much it, though, as far as TCG is concerned. Um, but yeah, I mean, they'll use this to talk about all the various Pokemon properties, different things. Last year, they announced the Pokemon Concierge Netflix show. Um, not They talked about Pokemon Unite. They po- talked about Pokemon Cafe Remix, Pokemon Masters EX, Pokemon Sleep classic pokemon violet i was gonna ask but i actually know now yeah that is pokemon sleep exists now right didn't it take forever for that thing to come out it did take forever for it to come out and it does exist now yes um i know this is not something you really care about as well because you're not like actually a pokemon fan but in the background of the like little teaser that they put out the tune playing is the uh the like theme of like the Johto region, the Johto games, which is the generation two game. So a lot of people have speculated, like maybe there's something to do with uh Johto in this next announcement, uh, like a gold and silver remake type game, you know, let's go. Oh. Uh, I saw Meryl, talking about let's like, go whooper, let's go <laughs> Pichu or something. Let's go Togepi. I saw people talking about uh, black and white remakes or something like that. Yeah, that's a, a. I think that's something that's going to happen at some point. Obviously, I mean they've they've remade every generation of the game, right? Like already. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. But like. Oh, so far they've been remaking. Yeah. Them. So in order, the next remakes would be Generation Five. So one would just think at some point a Generation Five remake will happen. Is now the time? I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out next week. The thing I'm hoping for, the thing I would love to see, is if they had a um nintendo switch online access to like the original game boy games that's what i would love to see why is it does that exist does that not exist currently you can't play the original no no interesting i'm surprised they haven't already done stuff like that play like pokemon red blue or yellow officially the only ways to do it would be to purchase an original game boy cartridge or uh, have a Nintendo 3DS that you could have bought those games on the virtual console before the Nintendo 3DS eShop shut down. Hmm. I so there's no assume... official way to currently play Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow, Gold, Silver, Crystal, or Ruby, Sapphire, Emerald, any of those old games. Really anything before <laughs> the like Nintendo Switch games you can't play unless you just go buy the hardware off eBay or something like that. Is that with like all Nintendo games? You know, because I remember I think I actually was trying to like get older Zelda games on my Switch. Um, to play. Yeah. No, I don't it, even think yeah, I was able can't. to. Unless you can get them on Nintendo Switch Online, a lot of them. Okay, I don't even know what that is. 
So it's like their online service that you have to pay for if you want to like, you know, play anything online. Like if you uh, want to do like PlayStation online, Plus? if you, yeah, exactly. PlayStation Plus, Xbox Live, whatever. Um, but one of their perks of having Nintendo Switch online is that they have these um, N64, Game Boy, NES, Super Nintendo, uh, like classic game catalogs that you have access to for being a Nintendo Switch online subscriber. It's actually like, I mean, that alone almost makes it worth having Nintendo Switch online if you're someone who's going to like play those older games. Yeah. It's yeah, kind of the definitely. main reason I have it, to be honest. Um, but yeah. So that's that's my big hope, is that uh, the original Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games come to Nintendo Switch online. That's what I'm crossing my fingers for. Yeah, I guess I don't. I guess I'm just looking for. I mean, they never announced cool Pokemon TCG stuff, so I don't really have any any hope. But they announced I mean, I, TCG Classic, but I don't know if they yeah, have anything not, like that yeah. in the pipe, the 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 works right now, right? Yeah, I guess if, it does seem like all that TCG stuff just gets announced at the Champions Leagues, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah. All the because we did get some more card leaks that we'll talk about um, when we get to the Champions League. Um, but those all all happen during the Champions League, so yeah, they don't even happen. Uh, there's like nothing for them to, I guess, announce really about the TCG ever on Pokemon Presents because it's just yeah. kind of separated with that. Yeah, a little bit of a bummer, I guess. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Hopefully next week when we have the podcast, we'll be telling you about the world's dates. I imagine a lot of people are going to be booking flights and hotel basically yeah. after that announcement comes out. Um but yeah, let's move on and go to our next topic here. And that is a big TCG live update and a letter to the community from the developers. Now, the developers do pretty regular. Is it like once a quarter have a letter to the community? Maybe, mm. maybe it's just kind of less sporadic or more sporadic than that. Like there's not like a consistent ever flow to win a letter to the last about. one was December 29th. They come out every once in a while, but um, yeah. Yeah, this one was a pretty big update, to be honest. They just put out this announcement and said, we have a small update to share with you today. Phase one of the battle log feature previously discussed will be released with today's latest update. We'd also like to share some future changes in the works for the ranked ladder system. So they showed a couple pictures here of the battle log, a true game log, something that we did have on TCG online. Yep. A little while, but we finally got it on TCG Live. I haven't played with this yet, but Azul, you played some today. What was the uh, the battle game log like? Yeah, so I actually like I just went in there and like tried out the battle log. Like I just made a deck, and um, someone in my chat, I just queued up a game against them. So I like tried out all the cards that you'd be most interested to see if they work correctly in the battle log. Stuff like Clara, Super Rod, Palpad, everything worked correctly. Um. Um, and it, 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 it has all the information there. So it's like a pretty thorough battle log. Um, and it works well. There doesn't seem to be too many bugs. My only complaints, one is a pretty big complaint actually, is if you like scroll down to check something on the battle log and then your opponent makes an action, it changes your position in the battle log. Like you, start, mm -hmm. where you're looking starts to move. Um, so that's really annoying. That's very similar to other things on PDCG Live. Like if you check your opponent's discard pile and they go make an action, it closes their discard pile. Um, and then if you reopen it and they play another action, it'll close it again. Same thing with the Law Zone. So that's really annoying. Yeah. It's like if I'm opening their discard pile or I'm scrolling to a different section on the battle log, I obviously want to see that information. So just let me get the information 
and then I'll get back to paying attention to what my opponent's doing. So that's really annoying. We see that with other stuff, like I mentioned, with the Lost Zone and the discard pile. So that just shouldn't exist, and hopefully they fix that. But besides that, it's pretty thorough. Um, the cards are really small. Like, when you play Super Rod, um, which is actually kind of nice, like, it's the, the battle log's kind of condensed, where it's like, if you play Super Rod and you open the battle log, it'll be, like, player played Super Rod. And then there's a little arrow, um, like we can see here, that chip showing on the screen. If you guys are listening to us, um, I guess you can't. It's going to be hard to tell, to be honest, if you're listening to us. <laughs> like if you you, can't you see, described it well. There's a little um, arrow, a drop down window. Yeah, there's basically a drop down for any action that would have like multiple uh, like uh, follow up uh, interactions. So uh, on the battle log, it'll say like player played super odd. But then if you click the arrow down, it'll be like player recovered these three cards. Or if you like use uh, Pokestop, um, it'll be like player use Pokestop. And you click the little arrow to get a drop down of the full interactions of what happened on the Pokestop. It'll be like player discarded these three cards. And then after that, another interaction will be player recovered these X amount of items to their hand and what the items were. It'll have little images for every card discarded, little images for every card recovered. The images are really small. Um, so like the images being a little bit bigger would be nice. And then, like I said, the scrolling thing is really, really annoying. It was just nice to be able to scroll down to where I, to what I want to get to go to, check what I want to check without it moving up and down as my opponent plays other actions on their turn kind of interesting but, here it like tells you what card you drew for turn as well like don't really that's like pretty thorough that's that's kind of nice honestly like in case you're like wait what did i not have that last turn you can like take a look <laughs> yeah oh yeah i didn't have that last. it'll turn. tell you what you took as a prize card as well like it tells you literally everything so it's pretty thorough it's nice definitely um good to finally have um it took a while but yeah finally have the battle log and uh, it's a it's a decent one. Like I said, the only two complaints are the cards are a little bit small, the images are a little bit small for the viewing it, and then the the scrolling thing is really really annoying. But and this that, is like a pretty important thing as well for the developers to have because when people encounter like it's just a natural part of the game, right? No matter how much testing you do even though sometimes it feels like in tcg live there's like basically no testing done uh but no matter how much testing you do whenever you release a game to you know tens of thousands hundreds of thousands however many people and they get their hands on it and start playing with every possible card interaction they're going to encounter bugs that the dev team would have not been able to encounter it happens in literally every single video game right yeah, yeah it's but not in order for them to identify what happened and what went wrong having a access to a battle log is like a pretty important part to like understand where the interaction broke, where things went wrong. Right. Yeah. They can see the sequence of how cards were played and what was interacted with to then determine what maybe caused the bug to happen. Um, so yeah, that's also important for that as well. I think I even remember like back with PTCGO, um, if you ran into a bad situation, like, or a situation they would want you like, was there like you a could export for your battle log. Yeah, you yeah. could export the battle log, and they would want you to send them the battle log so they could then look at it. Was it called a battle log back then? I think it was just called a game log. Game log. Yeah. Yeah. They want you because that's I don't know. It just feels like a new term. I mean, it doesn't matter. We can call it battle log, game log, whatever. They'd want you to send them the battle log so then they could then more easily determine uh, what causes the bug, which interactions cause the bug to happen. So that is, is there a way to export the battle log in the new system? Yeah. At the end of the game, you can export the battle log. So okay. hopefully this is like also something, a tool that will maybe lead to bugs getting fixed faster, I guess, as well. On top of it being a useful tool that almost feels like it's necessary to be able to 
play the game properly with some interactions that happen in the game. Because before the battle log, if your opponent plays super odd, they play the super odd, and then three cards jump from their discard pile to their deck. And you can't really tell what they were for sure every time. And you could, like, if you knew what was in your opponent's discard pile and you check it, then you would be able to tell what it is. But that's, like, so much to demand of a player to pay attention to in every single game. But it's yeah. very not so much to ask to be able to know what your opponent super brought it back in that a battle log either they needed to like come out with something like the battle log which now they've done um or they needed to like slow down animations or like have like a pop-up happen when something like a super odd or something recovers a card to your deck so the battle log is a fine solution to that i don't think they need to really adjust too much more around that um if you're truly curious as to know exactly what your opponent got then you know you can go to the battle log and check um what uh what your opponent recovered now instead of just having a guess uh, potentially based on you not having full knowledge of what was exactly in their your opponent's discard pile uh, before they went to use the super odd. Because in IR, in real life, if your opponent plays a super odd, they show you the three cards, and if they go to if they go to move too fast to put them back in their hand, you can be like, wait, can I see those again? So I can like actually fully take in what you're doing with the card. But you couldn't actually do that with PDCG Live until now. And then to me, the more interesting and hopefully more exciting thing was the later half of the I community. Uh, letter letter to the community here. So uh, they posted at the end after they revealed the battle log, they said last year the team closely monitored the analytics of the ranked game mode and noticed that most players hit a challenging hurdle in their progression. Higher tiers required excessive time commitment to reach and the percentage of players able to progress past the Great League indicated a significant imbalance in the progression system. We understand that this imbalance hinders your ability to advance and diminishes the rewards and satisfaction that should accompany your efforts. As a result of these findings, we'll implement an essential update to our ranked ladder system in a future release. This update aims to address the current state of ranked play, ensuring that progress aligns more closely with the expectations and investment of players' time and effort. The balancing efforts of our ranked ladder is a continuous and iterative process and moving forward we are committed to its continued evolution your feedback and insights are invaluable to us and we encourage you to share your thoughts as we work together to create an enjoyable ladder experience for all players yeah, so basically it just sounds like they're going to make it easier to climb the ladder which i think is fine maybe it's a little bit difficult right now um and even if you can't get to like arceus league if that's your end goal in one season as long as you can climb up a little bit higher each season then you're fall down will be well will you'll fall a little bit higher than maybe you fell the season before and you'll eventually be able to climb up to that arceus rank um so trying to make that a little bit easier is basically what this is saying but not really actually saying that they're actually going to give us a ranked ladder so we're still missing a leaderboard it's and, not a true and, ranked ladder still yeah we're still missing a leaderboard or an elo or an mmr system um, so those things are still missing from actually having a real length ladder. So we do you think there's have... any chance that this announcement leads to that? Um, well, I don't know if this changes that. Um, so, like, what would they change here? Would they just decrease the amount of? I think like, they're just going to increase the amount of points they give you for wins once you yeah, get certain tiers. Yeah, that's all they're going to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what it sounds like. All they're going to do. I don't think that like nothing in here like suggests that they're going to actually give us a ranked ladder. They're just going to make it easier to get. To climb ranks basically which i think is fine if ranks are a little bit too hard to climb um i, don't I mean know what you actually play implement, like but... every single day and not, well i mean as of late not quite like i have been i stream a lot of days but i haven't been playing as much on pdcg live recently to be honest but you play like probably more than the average person tcg live ladder 
do you think? Or yeah, of course, more than the average, definitely. But I mean, and you're obviously like one of the better players too. But like, I don't think like you haven't been Arceus tier since like you pushed hard for it back earlier on in the game's release. I think right. Yeah, I got like the Arceus once. Yeah. And then actually change that. I'm gonna turn some of my streams into like try hard, like road to Arceus. Uh, I think people are interested in that. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a, like one or two streams a week is gonna be road to Arceus streams where I grind the ladder a little bit more, try hard, with play like, like a try hard deck. Yeah. Um. And yeah, so I mean that'd be cool to do, but like once again, it's a little bit hard to be motivated to do that when there's nothing to really play for, right? Like even if I get to the Arceus League, it's like I would want to be able to potentially grind for rank one, but you just there's no rank one. There's yeah. like these leagues that you get to by gaining uh lp and that's it get your league points i'm up through the leagues you don't know who's rank one you don't know how many people are in your rank you don't know what you're competing against you don't know what you're competing for i guess you're competing for like the there's like uh in-game items that you get for getting arcade yeah. and stuff but and like, they are exclusive right they are like the yeah know. there's definitely a lot of people who like really care about like in-game cosmetics and stuff like that i mean i like in-game cosmetics um it just makes no sense to not have a leaderboard yeah, uh, a true MMR ELO system, especially when um, every other Pokemon title has it, right? Yeah, we've that's like about, it's been a while thing. since we've talked about this, but we have definitely talked about it plenty, right? Like yeah. in Pokemon VGC, you grind through Pokeball, Great Ball, Ultra Ball tier, but you eventually get to you Master get Ball one. tier. Yep. And when you get to Master Ball tier, they put a rank next to your name and you see yep. what your rank is and you see yourself climb the ranks or fall in the ranks, depending on if you win or lose. You see the rank of your opponent. The same thing happens in Pokemon Unite. The same thing happens in Pokemon Go. But yeah, for some reason in TCG, we just can't have that. I don't, and it doesn't make any sense. Like, especially because, like, maybe if, like, for some reason they were against the 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 idea of like a ranked ladder, uh, in poke in Pokemon. Like, I don't know why they would be. Like, if they were like, if they fundamentally thought the idea of that was flawed to have in a game, then it would be like, okay, I mean, it'd be cool to know why you think that. But it's obviously they don't think that because literally every other game that they have has a ranked ladder except for the TCG live. like It, it would makes, be like silly no if sense. they thought that, but it would be, you know, if no other game had it, then it would be like, okay, this is just something Pokemon doesn't do. Whatever, yeah. right? It was so the be, fact that, like um, you said, every other game has it. <laughs> yes, it's just ridiculous. Like, why have they not given us a ranked ladder? Or just like someone over there has a vast misunderstanding of what a ranked ladder is and just needs to be told what a ranked ladder is. I'm on Twitter. You can send me a message. I'll explain what a ranked ladder is, and then we can start to implement it at azul underscore gg we can figure it out um but yeah it's it's very disappointing like that's still and like this like us getting the battle log um that's what i said on my stream earlier as well it's like this is more of just like a, okay finally like i'm not it's nothing too like, there's nothing too exciting or hype about it it's just like every other game has this ptcgo had this it's like finally we have this right but there's still so many other flaws with ptcg live i think the next big hurdles or the next two big hurdles are a ranked ladder and then improving the feel of the gameplay because the gameplay feels just still pretty bad um and it still feels worse than pdcgo which is disgusting but it does still feel worse than pdcgo so i think there's like the next two big things to check off the list is give us a ranked ladder and then improve the quality of the gameplay because there's so many hiccups in the gameplay to actually just play a game of pokemon the animations stuff like guardy's ability getting locked out of using actions like you'll do an action and then the animation plus the text on the screen telling you what's happening locks you out of the game for like three three to four seconds and i can't like queue up my next action it's like i played my ultra ball i clicked my cards and now it's taking me forever to select a pokemon out of my deck like you, things yeah. need to be smoother and more fluid and intuitive and it just feels super clunky and that's like yeah those are the next two big things ranked ladder 
and the gameplay needs to be uh, upgraded pretty drastically for sure. Hopefully these are things we see change. We'll see. I mean, I think some of that stuff, like especially like the gameplay feeling better, I think that is stuff that will just improve with time. The question yeah. is going to be just like how long. Every, does yeah, it then take? that's the biggest thing too. Like that was mentioned talking about with my stream earlier as well when we like went over this stuff with the letter and like tried out the new thing. It's like everything is just taking so long. Like, how long is PTCG? How long have we it's been out of beta? Your anniversary is coming up, I think, in March. Dude, it's so ridiculous. We don't have a rank ladder. The gameplay still feels clunky. Like, come on bugs are still up like not as big of a deal the bugs don't really come up that much anymore the bugs have been um not completely flushed out the way it should be or the way it should feel i think consistently there's always going to be bugs like we mentioned but um there's always that fear when a new set drops of like what can we actually play with in this new set and we never know for sure so yeah it's just everything is just taking so long i don't know it's draining. Um, I mean, I guess at least for them in terms of that, I mean, it is like a long-term project. So it's not like they're losing out on any kind of like hype behind not having this thing be better sooner. So like then there will be always a new set of Pokemon cards that'll draw people into wanting to play on PTCG Live. So um, it is definitely a long-term project for them for sure. I don't know how, how pressed they feel for time, to be honest. Well, let's move on here to everyone's favorite segment. But before we do, we do have to, of course, take a moment to thank our amazing sponsor, Dragon Shield, for supporting us here at the Uncommon Energy Podcast. Of course, Dragon Shield makes some of the best card gaming and tabletop gaming products and accessories on the market. We use their sleeves, the binders, the deck boxes, and so, so much more. We love Dragon Shield and really appreciate their support of us here at Uncommon Energy. Yep. Shout out to Dragon Shield as always for sponsoring the uh podcast um check them out at uh, dragonshield.com you can use our code over there uepod get yourself five percent off support us over here on the podcast as well there'll be a link of course in the description for you all to check out yep yeah i used uh them at my league cup this past weekend just use the good old classic black mats always my go-to these days um i did mention a couple weeks ago i've got this like case of the orange or but just box of this orange classics i'm saving for a special occasion though if i play like <laughs> if i play like a regionals or something we're gonna bust these bad boys out the classics yes that's been a while that's <laughs> literally what everyone before yeah before dragon shield even had matt sleeves that's what the class they're called the classics because that used to be the only dra the dragon yeah, shield yeah, yeah they ever made that's what everyone in my area used to use was the, i think we mentioned that last week on the podcast yeah, actually we did. but yeah everyone just used to be running around with the classics um but yeah let's go ahead and jump into guess that flavor text segment of the podcast where me or chip will pick a card read the flavor text on the card and then the other co-host will try and guess what pokemon belongs to that card if they get it right without using any lifelines they get four points for each lifeline you use you do get minus one point the lifelines are what set the card is from what stage the card is and then read an attack name chip are you ready I am super ready as well. Hit me with it. Uh, what am I ahead by right now? Six points eight. still, something like that. I thought it was eight. Was it like 19 to 11? Dang, bro. Eight points. <laughs> Brother, you have got to step it up. I did just reread this card. No, no, no go ahead and give it to me. It's fine. All right. I don't think we've done it before. That's what I was going to say. I just want to make okay. sure we haven't done it before. All right. When blank shake hands, a network forms between their brains, increasing their psychic power. When blank shake hands, hmm, increasing psychic power. I mean, this is like obviously a psychic Pokemon. It's just got to be. 
right? <laughs> I mean, um, I, I would, that would be my guess. Shaking hands. So, like, I mean, thinking of the one of my first thoughts was literally just like Mr. Mime, a psychic Pokemon <laughs> that has a hand, right? <laughs> but there's a lot of psychic Pokemon that have hands. I don't think like Alakazam is going to come up and give you a handshake, though. But I could see Mr. Mime wanting to give you a handshake. Um, I also thought of like Reuniclus for some reason. For some reason as well, like this is making me think of like a Pokemon that's multiple of them become like come together often in the game or something like that. Or like maybe some sort of like, you know, multiple of them come together to become the next evolution of the Pokemon, potentially something like that. I'm going to need a little help here, though. Let's go with what set the card is from to start with. It's from Noble Victories. Ooh, so it could be Reuniclus. Or, yeah, Duosian and Solosis do not have hands. So it's if it's something from that evolution line, it's got to be Reuniclus. I'm pretty sure there's a Reuniclus in... Uh, it's actually... I'm, I've realized I'm saying that Pokemon's name wrong, by the way. It's Reuniclus. Reuniclus. <laughs> of course, yeah. Reuniclus. <laughs> it is a unique Pokemon, didn't you know? Um, well, I don't think yeah, there's Mr. Mime in Noble Victories. Let me hear the flavor text one more time as well. When blank shake hands, a network forms between their brains, increasing their psychic power. So what other... Uh, I will say, like, the Gen 5 Pokemon... Uh, Gen 5 is definitely, the, like, just the generation of the games I know the least about, because I've never, like, actually played through those games. So... Um... I have a hard... I forget, like, the Pokemon that are in that generation a lot of the time, too. Um, let's go with what stage the card is. If you say stage two, I'm probably just locking in Reuniclus. It is a stage two. All right, let's go with the Reuniclus. It might not be it, but I can't really think of anything else it would be. It is... Reuniclus. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Dude, you got that one so fast. I read it, and I was like, I don't know, I guess Chip could get this one pretty fast, but I was like, maybe he'll, like... The attack I was going to use would be Future Sight. Just a psychic Pokemon. Does Reuniclus really have hands? I don't know. <laughs> um, if you read the first comment on the on the card here. Is this the right one? Yeah, that is the right one, yeah. <laughs> Just read the first comment on the, on the card. Would be better as a basic? Yeah. <laughs> like, for the card? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> And then they said would be broken as a basic. Someone replied. 160 turn one. Yeah, net force. You just bench four Reuniclus turn one, 160 for one psychic. That'd, that'd be pretty good back then. That would be pretty good back then, yeah. Yeah, let's go, dude. Reuniclus. I mean, it's it's honestly kind of hard to like even ca classify this bubble as a hand, I feel like. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, how did like it does it even have hands? I think that the um this is the first time I've really looked at uh uniqueless uh before and it's a interesting looking little little dude honestly uh, like sure. i think that the like what are the other psychic type options here oh i i guess behem could have been one potentially um yeah I didn't really like dig the that other psychic to... type pokemon from this generation like kafagrius is a yeah, ghost but you just Garboder. like knew reuniqueless was like <laughs> you were just like yep there's one in the set yep that's a generation I was pretty sure there was one in the set. Didn't yeah. know a hundred percent. I think I have because, like, That's I fair. think that this guy. I guess it's not. One this looks... one. It's probably the ones from base set that are in the truth, right? Well, I don't know. That one looks familiar. That that Duosian. 
but maybe not. Uh, no, Noble Victories was not legal for 2011 Worlds. Okay. That one does look familiar. Maybe it was in a different deck. I mean, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I, mean I guess I have seen the card before, but... Um... Well, maybe this is the one people played once... Uh, once it came out compared to this one, but I mean, I don't know. This Maybe, one, yeah. Yeah, who knows? This one probably is better, I guess. I don't know. Are we... <laughs> I don't know. We don't have to worry about which Duosian is technically the better Duosian, but let's go. Two more points for Chip. That puts me at 21, buddy. Yeah. That's a full, what, 10 <laughs> points ahead? I'm going to have to start the comeback next week. I have a lot of ground to make up here. I'm going to have to hold your hand, basically. <laughs> hey, we'll... Uh, actually, it's not true. I, I said this before, but like, I was like, we'll get through enough Pokemon eventually where it'll be easier, but... Because <laughs> it'll make it easier for you, but yeah, they print... I mean, every new generation has so many new Pokemon. We'll never kind of catch up, I don't think. Yeah, and I can always give you, like, little basic ones that you'll never get, like... Like, Pokemon you've never even heard of, like Mudbray. I've heard of Mudbray. I probably yeah, thought about it. Would you have gotten game. it? You know, what was I mean, what's the flavor text? That's a good point. <laughs> little horse <laughs> guy. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, we can move on to the kind of main event of the episode this week, and that is the results from the Champions League Fukuoka. I hope we're saying that better than we did last week. There was literally someone in the comments that was like, I'm a Japanese teacher. And this is like hearing your pronunciation of that city, like hurt me. So (laughs) (laughs) I hope we did better then. But yeah, Japanese Champions League tournament this past weekend, 2,600 players, super massive tournament, but pretty crazy that like, honestly, our regionals are getting close to that size, you know? Won't be too long until like we're basically, uh, I think, matching them. And we some of the bigger tournaments of the year. It's possible we start to eclipse them soon, even towards like the end of next season. To be honest, um, with our bigger tournaments, Um, yeah. The last one as well that their demand is still definitely vastly higher than yeah. Because there's like I think I think someone said I don't know how correct that number is. There's like eight k people who tried to play in the tournament. Yeah. Um, or about double what played in the tournament so that would even still be 5k um i don't think we're quite hitting that much that much for demand but are the people who would actually show up to a tournament i think we could start to get close to that especially like i mean naic and euic like i think we could hit like 3k at both of those if the i think so yeah the space is available so it just comes down to do we have the staff do we have the space um, I think it would be I think it would be possible. Well, before we hop into like the full results here, I think we should give a little shout out to Robin over at Limitless. Um, put in a little bit of extra work here. Uh, you know, this is kind of relevant, I guess, to what we're talking about. Japanese results um, with the fact that. The temporal forces set does not come out for so long, but it is going to be, a you know, the Japanese meta right now is going to have a huge impact on upcoming Pokemon TCG tournaments in the rest of the world. Uh, Robin added a full section under the tournaments tab for city leagues results from yep. various Japanese city league tournaments. And I mean, there's like ones that are like, this is an update from one that happened two days ago. Um, yeah. You know, we talked about some of the results from city leagues last week and it's definitely very nice that Robin has added this page because this is way easier to navigate than the website the japanese website that we were looking at last week yeah and these are effectively league cup size events um 
but there's a lot more interest in these tournaments, especially right now because of the new set release uh, and rotation already happening over there. And uh, yeah, no one really cares about League Cup results, to be honest. But City League results, we're a lot more interested in. Especially, clicking yeah. on every single one of these, it says 64 players. Do you want to read the little players. thing at the top of the, the page? The top. There you go. And they're typically capped at 64 players. <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> so City League's generally capped at 64 players. But I guess there's maybe some in there with... But it sounds like, honestly, it seems like probably they always hit the cap. I mean, I mean, I didn't so. see a single one that was less than 64. Yeah, pick a random one out. Go to the next page and just pick a random one out and see what happens. There we go. Boop. And 64. All right, there we go. Every single time. Yeah, people just want to play Pokemon over there, man. There's a lot of a lot of people trying to play a lot of Pokemon. Honestly, dude, it would be so cool to be like a part of that culture of like just local tournaments like every night of the week, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would, it would feel like the good old like city championship or uh what city championship like marathons and stuff back in the day yeah i mean i even said to my my chat brought it up to me because people have like whenever champions leagues happen people ask me like oh would you ever go and play in a champions league and you can't you do have to be a resident in japan um but i, I mean, saw sam huff cool. went and played really yeah he posted oh, on facebook okay. yeah for the well for uh champions or for city league or no champions league oh really okay i don't i mean i don't know the process to get into it um but yeah, my understanding is that you need some kind of like residency there. I mean, if I would be able to go over there and play in a Champions League, I definitely would. Um, yeah. I would definitely take the opportunity. It'd even be cool to like go over there for like a couple of weeks and play in some city leagues, and then play in a Champions League, uh, stuff like that. So that'd be really, really cool for sure. But yeah, I don't know the situation for Sam. I don't know if he has like work over there or works over there or anything like that. Because that would he be he may have the... work over there. Yeah. Yeah. So that might be the is in to being able to. Uh, potentially play in those you know get into the lottery system to play in a champions league um but it's something that'd be pretty cool to do but as of right now as, I, as far as i know it's not something anyone can just do not anyone can just like sign up to get into the lottery to register to potentially play in a champions league um but yeah speaking of the champions league i guess should we do the new cards now i guess before we hop into the yeah, we could do the new cards results. Right? That's not something we even talked about, but yeah, we definitely should talk about the, yeah, the new cards the new we're cards. talking about. Um, well, there's only like a couple of them. There's only like two, so. Yeah, so they did during the stream, I mean, as we'll talk about a little earlier, um, they did announce the newest set coming out in Japan. It's going to be called Crimson Haze. It features Blood Moon Ursaluna right there on the front. So, um yeah, and this is going to be cards that will be in our set that comes out before May. NAIC. Yeah, May. Um, End of May. It'll be like two weeks before NAIC. So um, this is a, for those of you who like play the video games, it seems like like this is a um, set based around like Kitakami, like the DLC, like the in Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, the like new region. Uh, which is where, like, you know, little Diplin here comes from. Sinesji, I think is what this thing is called. Uh, Blood Moon or Saluna, they all come from that region. They're all part of that DLC. So I imagine, like, the next set will probably be around the next DLC uh, yeah. expansion. So is this, is that exp DLC expansion already out or is it, it coming is, out? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. We kind of already know what to expect a little bit as far as like the new Pokemon and stuff like that. 
Yeah, probably. I mean, mostly it's like returning Pokemon, but that's where, well, I don't know, it is kind of interesting because that's what, like, where Raging Bolt and Gouging Fire, that's where those Pokemon were introduced for the first time, was in mm, the We already recent, got those. And we or did already, already get getting those. those. Yeah. yeah. Okay, interesting, yeah. I, know. I guess the next set is also probably the Ogre Pond set, right? So maybe that's not quite right. But Ogre Pond is also like a Kitakami yeah. section of the game. So maybe, like, the next two sets will be, for them, Kitakami, and that'll just combine to one set for us. Who knows? Yeah. We should take off the tinfoil hat and just read the <laughs> read the cards here. And the first one is Blood Moon Ursa Luna um, EX. Yeah. It's a basic Pokemon, a colorless type, and its ability is Elder's Technique. This Pokemon's Blood Moon attacks cost one colorless less to use for each prize card your opponent has already taken. And then its attack, one single attack, is Blood Moon for five colorless energy. 240 damage, and this Pokemon can't attack during your next turn. They made Radiant Charizard a colorless bear. Yeah, so it's basically what it is. Same ability, same attack, uh, 10 less damage, I guess, right? Yeah. Um, and it is colorless, so it is a two-prize Pokemon. It does have more HP, and basically you can play this in any deck as a Pokemon that can attack for one energy or like two energy as the game progresses. Less energy for each prize card your opponent has taken. So um it'll be interesting um it'll be a good card for it's a good card for sure oh uh, yeah i and think this card is definitely just good yeah it's just good and it'll see play in a, a bunch of decks i don't think it, like, it doesn't create like any new archetypes right yeah. it's not it's not a new archetype type card but it will splashable colorless pokemon yeah. like it will change how some decks be are something built. that creates a new archetype right but it's gonna yeah. be something that like can just be good and i think the biggest thing that it could be good in would be control to be honest because we've already seen like some control builds have the radiant charizard in there um which is good to be able to clear away like lone threats uh as the game progresses as you get towards the end of the game um and now you could still play radiant charizard or you could play something with 260 hp that you could then put a hero's cape on that has then 360 hp i own them to one and then knock out their threat and then yeah you maybe just win from there to be honest so this thing could be pretty good in control for sure and it'll definitely be good in other stuff as well because it is just such such an efficient pokemon and the attack becomes very efficient as the game progresses. Yeah, I mean, uh, even just putting a bravery charm on this, right? Like yeah, 310 on a basic. Hitting for 240, like it's not bad for one yeah. energy at the end of the game. Maybe two you energy if you use it a little bit sooner. Yep. yep, exactly. So definitely a very strong card that'll be splashed into quite a few decks throughout its existence. And it is a basic. I think there were some people that were like a little confused. It's like, it's an Ursaluna. Ursaluna is a stage two. Why is it a basic? But Blood Moon Ursaluna is like its own unique thing. So I think that's why. Yeah little pokemon lore there that azul can't <laughs> provide but i can when I, every once in a while <laughs> and then uh the next new one here this is another one that seems pretty good it is the iron yeah. thorns ex has a it's a future pokemon a lightning type 230 hp pokemon for retreat cost weak to fighting and it has the ability initialize while this pokemon is in the active spot Pokemon with a rule box in play except any future pokemon don't have any abilities and then it's attack for a lightning and two colorless bolt cyclone 140. Then you move one energy from this Pokemon to one of your benched Pokemon. So some form of ability control has come back into the game after Path of the Peak will be rotating. Yeah, so Path of the Peak is gone. Uh, but we're about to get Iron Thorns. We'll be getting Iron Thorns in not too long. And yeah, basically it's like Path of the Peak, right? Just down the rule box Pokemon. It is a Pokemon itself that is doing it, and it does have to be in the active. Um, but it has like a decent attack, right? Hitting for 140, yep. you're carrying the low HP stuff, you're setting up two of chaos on the bigger HP stuff. 
So if you're drastically slowing down your opponent while you're drawing some prize cards, um, that sounds pretty good to me. And then even like late game situations, like up against something like a potential Charizard or Guardi EX, like you go eye on them low, put this in your active, and then they can't set up a new Charizard through its ability. They can't use Pidgey EX potentially. Like you can like take over games in the comeback, in comeback situations or even open up with this early on in games as well um, to slow them down. Like this definitely seems like a pretty powerful card and could be like kind of maybe the missing piece for control. I guess, or not control for, um, excuse me, for like a future box, future box, for yeah. a future box. Um, although maybe you just play this with iron hands and it's just those two as well. Yeah. I mean, I think this would fit pretty nicely into the top 16 uh, turbo iron hands deck that we'll talk about here in a little bit, but a lot of people were comparing this to Empoleon B and it might feel a little similar. Like it's attack is pretty similar, right? It's a yep. two prize Pokemon that turns off abilities, but like, Empoleon V's ability is so much less limiting than Iron Thorns is, right? Like, Empoleon V only shuts down non-rule box basic Pokemon. <laughs> like, it doesn't even shut down something like a Backscalibur, right? Yeah. Um, this one also doesn't shut down Backscalibur, doesn't shut down Comfey, but it does shut down Charizard. It does shut down uh, Pidgeot. It does shut down Squawkabilly. Like, there's so much stuff that this thing deactivates uh yeah and there's no escape rope in the format as well right now so it shuts down just like Lugia push it out of the active <laughs> it shuts down lugia v-star that kind of sucks <laughs> like that is true too yeah and then you knock them out you do you do they're weak to lightning so you just knock them out you 280 <laughs> change your ability and you're knocked out uh, the game designers luck. foresaw lugia v-star winning the champions league this weekend <laughs> yeah and they're like we have to put a stop to it we can't let lugia get good again Iron Thorns. I, honestly, <laughs> is this like a, a card to potentially combat future Lugia decks? Like, okay, there's always going to be something good in the meta that can handle Lugia. This is, uh, yeah, has the number to one hit KO Lugia V-Star, and then also takes away their ability, which is going to make it really hard to ever use Summoning Star. Maybe. We'll see what future energy they give, or not future, we'll see what special energy they end up giving to Lugia as we progress. Next one here is the Unfair Stamp. An item card, a brand new A-Spec. So once again, you can only play one of these in your deck. I think a lot of people saw the reveal and they were like, oh my gosh, it's reset stamp as an A-Spec, but there's a green stamp in addition to the red stamp here. Um, yeah, you can only play this card if one of your Pokemon was knocked out during your opponent's last turn. Each player shuffles their hand into their deck. Then you draw five cards and your opponent draws two cards. This seems pretty good as all. Yeah, I think it is going to be pretty good, the Unfair Stamp. Um, and it's cool to see because, like, this is not a card that I would have been able to come up with as, like, a car as an A-spec that it feels like it rivals Prime Catcher in terms of potential power level uh, in the game. But I think this one, I think this one does. And it gives me hope for the other A-specs that they still have yet to come out with. Um, if they can come out with, like, one or two more A-specs that feel this powerful, um, like kind of Prime Catcher does, like this does, then I think we're going to be in a pretty good spot or the A-Specs not feeling like they kind of uh, hurt the game more than help it. Um, I think some people are a little bit scared of how toxic this card could possibly be. You know, you go first, then your opponent knocks out one of your Pokemon, and then turn two, you go Candy, Charizard, Unfair Stamp, Countercatcher. And it's like, well, that sucks. <laughs> so um, I think the what I've seen a little bit of discussion around it as well, then it's like, well, what if you just wait? What if you just don't take that first knockout, set up your board first a little bit more before getting too aggressive? And I and think it's really cool that we could be in a format, like in certain matchups, where that's what you have to do, right? You got to wait. You got to take it yet. slower. You got to think about it for a second. 
Yeah. I mean, it's an ace spec. Will they have it? Who knows? But with stuff like Arvin and Irida, even, uh, if so there's some decks based around that, they're going to have quite a bit of access to finding the something like the Unfair Stamp pretty aggressively. So, yeah, I'm kind of excited for it. I think it'll bring a little bit more of a um, potential balance to the gameplay or a good feel to gameplay overall. And actually, that's something like I don't talk about this much, or I usually don't have very many cards that I would like look at. And I'm like, I wish this card they reprinted it or didn't. I almost have no cards where I ever like care about it rotating. Um, or not, but uh, I, I think honestly, I think Path to the Peak was a really good card for the the the. It was a very healthy card in the format. And if I could have picked a card to be honest for them to reprint, now that I've kind of thought about it a little bit more, kind of seen the impact that it had and doesn't have now. Honestly, I kind of wish that Path to the Peak was reprinted. Um, not overly. I think they're doing a really good job at coming up with cool interactions and keeping the format and meta feeling good and healthy. We are kind of in a long format right now, so it's getting a little bit boring, of course, currently. But, um, you know, we're about a month away now from Temporal Forces ourselves. So we're getting there. And, um, yeah, I think that the reset stamp or unfair stamp, whatever, looks like a, a pretty good card. And I'm pretty excited for it because I think it'll add, like, some good dynamics to the gameplay. Another one here is the Screamtail EX. It's an ancient Pokemon, 190 HP, psychic type with one retreat weak dark resistant to fighting it has the attack sudden shriek you can use this attack only if you go second and only during your first turn during your opponent's next turn they can't play any supporter cards from their hand and then its second attack is crunch 120 discard energy from your opponent's active pokemon this one doesn't stand out to me as super good i mean the first attack if you could consistently pull it off going second and then not like overextend to have to get it set up and then also have it not be a huge liability by it being on your bench, taking up a bench space, plus being a two-prizer with 190 HP. A lot of ifs there. Well, yeah, but honestly, like, if you think about it, if you go first and you do your thing, and then your opponent goes, sudden shriek, you're just like, I guess I pass. Like, that's yeah. usually going to be what your turn is, right? So honestly, I don't... I mean, if you could if you couldn't get that to work, then that seems pretty good. It does cost know. the colorless energy, so you could yep. pretty easily jet this to the active... Ooh, I didn't even think about that. I honestly did not even think about jetting this thing up. All right, we're kind of cooking here, Chip. <laughs> Is that it? Is that the move? Could Probably be. not. We'll see. <laughs> I think we can honestly skip. Because, like, your opponent can just, like, choose to go second. I mean, but then you get to go first. That'd be, like, the point. Is like, I'm a behind because I went second. Okay, sudden shriek. Oh, I'm, I went first, so I'm where I want to yeah. be. It's got to be a very specific deck that's going to use this, but we'll see. Jet energy would combo with it, though. I didn't even think about the yeah. jets. We can skip the trainer cards. Yeah, we can go up until we get to... There it is. This is the one. I think it's the last one we need to take a look at here. The Enhanced Hammer. Classic card. This is one that uh, existed, I think, originally back in Dark Explorers. Got reprinted in Primal Clash. Got reprinted in Guardians Rising. It's been gone for quite some time. But here it is once again. Discard a special energy from one of your opponent's Pokemon. Yep. And it's back once again. Once again... Did they predict Lugia winning? I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, Enhanced Hammer is not that good against Lugia. The main use would be you can get rid of their gift energy yeah. and then knock out their setup threat, and then they don't get that draw power if you Iono them or disrupt their hand in some way. So, Or if they have like just a low hand size, you want to take away their draw power. So, um, Honestly, Enhanced Hammer has always been one of those cards where I feel like it would be always kind of... It's like a fine evergreen card, honestly. Yeah, honestly, it's always kind of felt that way. Like if it existed in last format or the format before that, or continuously since it got printed for the first time, I don't think it would have ever been like a bad thing. Um, like the deck committal of a card like this to lose a deck space, 
for a card that can only be used in certain matchups, but even in those matchups, it doesn't just win you the game pretty much ever. Um, I think it's like feels pretty fair and balanced, I guess. Um, the only times it ever feels toxic is when it's paired with something that can really easily and aggressively recover it. So then you can kind of just run special energy decks out of energy and they don't really get to play the game. So it's the only time it can really ever feel like it's a little bit too much. But I don't think that happens uh, too often. Um, or comes up where those there's a combination of cards that makes that work too often, to be honest. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of excited for the. Or I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, okay, see, this seems like a good card to just kind of pep around. I don't mind it being here. And we got Lucky Helmet. You want to talk about Lucky Helmet? Not really. Did they reprint on, Gyarados? <laughs> Lucky Helmets. Another reprint. Kind of interesting that they're cycling back. Uh, I mean, I think like Enhanced Hammer makes sense as a reprint. What do, you, what do you think is going through their mind when Lucky Helmet gets added to the mix here? I don't know. They, I mean, they did the same thing with Rocky Helmet, right? They brought back Rocky Helmet. Like, it's not a very good card. Dude, I remember um, for a long time, if you... <laughs> on TCGO, like, if you queued into Legacy, um, you would either get someone who was, like, a true Legacy player, had, like, a good deck, or you would get someone who just had, like, some random concoction of, like, Legacy legal cards like who didn't really like have a good competitive deck. And if you ever hit that person, anyone who played TCGO and played legacy can definitely relate to this. Like 100% of the time they had Rocky helmet in their deck, like 100% of the time. <laughs> That's just like a known fact. If they don't have yeah, a real deck, they Rocky have Rocky helmet, helmet. And then also the Bouffalant. Wasn't there a Bouffalant that if you hit it, it took you took damage as well. It does sound familiar. Well, there's one that takes reduced damage. There was Boofer. Yeah, there's one that maybe. where you take damage as well. Yeah. It might have just been the one that takes reduced damage, to be honest. What am I thinking of? Is it maybe a Dredagon or something like that? Who knows? Maybe. I mean, ability definitely exists where when it gets hit, you take damage for hitting yes. it. Yes. Yes. Rough skin. Dredagon. There he is. <laughs> the legacy crusher. The insane combo. Rough skin plus. <laughs> plus rocky helmet yeah i've definitely seen that card before i think there was like was that card ever like played i don't think so like i think attack. this is the only dreadagon that was ever really played is the revenge one from flash fire yeah because it was that one in, in, Black what was it played in? oh yeah that's right yeah but yeah those are the new cards Shout outs to Tuan for the translations as always. Is what, you can look up, there. you don't even have to read the attack of this one, but this we we are getting the Diplin finally, which does tell us that we will be getting the you know the the height was it high Apple or something? High Apple, yeah. High Apple, yeah. So we have that on the way. Yeah, I mean, and this that would fit with the theme as well of like you know Diplin came out in the first DLC for Scarlet and Violet, and then High Apple came out in the second DLC for Scarlet Violet. So we might not get Hydrapple even in this set, but it'll come eventually. Yeah, we'll get them eventually. It's on the way. Will it be good? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Takes a lot well, they, for a Dragon-type Pokemon to be good. They do like making the Apple cards, like, decent, right? They've always, like, made the Apple cards. Like, even the other ones, the Apple Tons and the Flapples have all been decent. Yeah. Um, you know, Zorobox has taken advantage of them a couple times, so... They've never been truly terrible cards, so maybe the the Hydrapple will be the the point for it to actually be a good one. All right, well, let's move on and talk about the actual results from the tournament. Let's finally finally get to that. 
And we've talked about it a couple times, but yes, indeed, it was Lugia V-Star winning it all. Lugia Chinchino. Honestly, this list is pretty similar to a lot of the lists that were going around from the Champions Leagues. Um, I think kind of the one thing that really stands out is the inclusion of Serena. That was kind of the one, like, I think more unexpected thing. But when you look at how the meta shaped up and how much Arceus stuff there was, I think it makes sense, right? Well, yeah, there's that. It's like the pseudo gust effect, but also it's a way for you to discard cards at your hand without discarding your hand. Yeah. Um, and this deck plays a lot of energy and wants to retain a lot of energy as well. So I think that's like the, it does like a lot for the, also you need like very little, I feel like for the deck to, to function. Like you need the Lugia V and then you need the Lugia V star. Obviously you want some Minchinos down. It's like you need a lot but... initially, but then you need very little from there on out, right? Yeah. So it's, it's a like deck that plays very well from the board. Yeah, getting the archives to the discard pile is important, but once you do that, then get him to play, and then you're like kind of set up off the board from there. Um, so you don't really need to draw a ton of cards with the research. Um, the research's like main function is to like get archives into the discard pile. So if Serena can do that, which it can, and then it doesn't lose us all of our energy, and then we just lose the game because we run out of energy, and they can also double as a gust effect. It seems like a decent trade-off, to be honest. I actually it's very interesting. I don't know if it's better than just playing four research, but it does seem pretty decent to be honest. Um, well, I actually thought you pretty get, big like, for uh, the guy in the finals, right? Um, game, he literally yeah, he used all use four Serena. of the cards. All four Gus effects? Yeah, he went, well, he went Serena to discard Archeops. Yeah. And then he went Boss KO, Serena KO, Boss KO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess he did. I didn't really think about that, to be honest. But yeah, he did. He didn't he actually attack with Chinchino in the matchup, um, even though it's like a pretty good attacker. Against. He would have probably if he could have. Yeah, but... <laughs> he could have. But the the Mancino got Boss KO'd. <laughs> Yeah. Mancino did not get to Mancino was getting hunted. Yeah, because it's a pretty powerful attacker up against the two prize, the two prize decks like the Arceus decks and stuff like that. But yeah, honestly, Lugia, it seems decent. The deck seems decent. Um you got Lugia, still a very good attacker, can get you your first couple prize cards. Um doesn't die then, to Charizard. Yeah, you have Storlax in there as well. Another way to, you know, uh, get some prize cards without making an over overly big commitment. But then you got the at the Chinchino in there being like, well, if I need a one hit KO, literally anything, as long as I have both my Archeops still left, I can go do that with the Chinchino. Um, kind of, I don't know, what do you think about no weird deer being included in a lot of these Lugia lists? That's kind of a card that I've thought about is like, would probably still be okay. Well, I think um, you just like burn through your energy so much with the Chinchino, you never retain I guess enough. So. But like sometimes yeah. they don't, I don't know. I guess they basically, you basically are always expecting a Chinchino to go down. And also, Chinchino just hits harder than Weird Air. So, like, if you don't lose that ener energy very fast, if you're attacking with Lugia's early or Snorlax, then the Chinchino just does what the Weird Air does anyways, right? Yeah. If you don't burn through a bunch of energy. So, yeah. I think you'd rather just play more Chinchino pieces probably before you'd ever play the Weird Air, just so you have more Chinchinos and more consistently can attack with Chinchino. I guess uh, before we get into more of the results from the top 16 here, Azul, did you have any, like, kind of big takeaways from watching the tournament? What, like... It seemed like the meta felt like what the decks that seemed like they were performing the best, most consistently, or like just overall, like, oh, this deck seems like it's going to be really good in the meta. Um, nothing overly felt like there was a lot of Charizard, and then like a decent amount of the decks were like, <clears throat> it, it, like we even still see, see three Charizard in top 16, and it did feel like there was a decent amount of Charizard hate. And I think we can go to the second place list to see a little bit of it there, as it is a Arceus Vulpix deck. Um, the purpose of the Vulpix is to beat Charizard because it has an attack. Was it Icy Snow or something? Um, Snow Mirage. Snow Mirage, 160 damage, and then it uh, has Shred, so it ignores all effects on the active Pokemon, which isn't very relevant unless you go up against a Mimikyu, uh, which we did see. Uh, we did watch a game where it was 
Arceus, this deck up against a control deck, and they kind of, yeah, it was pretty easy for the, between the Arceus and the Mimikyu to basically win that matchup. Um, but the second part of the attack is that it can't be hit by any Pokemon that have an ability. So Radiant Charizard can't hit it. Charizard can't hit it. If you play the Charmeleon with an ability, you can't hit it. Pidgeot can't hit it. B-Barrel can't hit it. Like, you literally just have, like, nothing to hit this thing with except Charmanders, but Charmanders aren't going to beat 240 HP. So the answer really is to try and pull off some combination of, like, Boss plus Countercatcher or Boss plus Prime Catcher to reset the effect on the Vulpix. But there is a 2-2 Vulpix in here. And then also throw a scenario to get yourself down to, like, Lone Vulpix board states or even the Charon's Care to help yourself get down to Lone Vulpix board states are both possible. Um, so overall, yeah, I think it's got probably a pretty good Charizard matchup. Um, of course, I have to like actually play it to know. For I think it's sure. got a good Chi and Pao matchup too, which is probably one of the other more yeah. popular decks in the room, right? Like, there's nothing in the Chi and Pao deck that can hit that thing except Iron Hands EX, really. And then actually, I think you beat them with Iron Hands. So I think Iron, like, you're just gonna win the trade because Iron Hands do a it back and forth. But it's like if you yeah. can. I guess they can always reset up the Iron Hands pretty much, yeah. right? I mean, this build has a Prime Catcher and four boss. So you could just like boss their B-Barrels in their Baxcalibur and you could just make them whiff attacks. Yeah. I guess what you probably do is you just ignore the Champows and you just go after the Baxcalibers and the B-Barrels with this deck in that matchup. Yeah, and then um, make it hard for them to set up an Iron Hands. Yeah, and then we see a bunch of different special energy in here. You got the Mist Energy to play around the Roaring Moon <clears throat> and the attack from Third Star Requiem from Garatina. Um, or even like stopping uh, Sableye stuff. And you have the V-Guard in there for the Tina matchup as well. And there's the Medical Energy, which I don't know which matchup this is played for, but when you attach it from your hand to one of your Pokemon, you heal 30 damage from it. So it's either yeah. to keep your Arceus is alive a little bit longer or to keep your Vulpix alive a little bit longer in like certain situations. Yeah, I wonder if this is something to do with like just the fact, like most decks just naturally, uh, if they're not like thinking of Vulpix, they don't have like a good way to deal with a Vulpix. And so... A lot of times people have to just kind of like scrap together random little attacks, yeah. <laughs> right? And medical energy probably just negates those little attacks, right? Yeah, I have to imagine. Yeah, there's like has to be some scenarios in some matchups where they're like, you know, just poking you down and they can almost win unless you have a medical energy and then you just win. Um, and then now, we'll, there is a card that Charizard could pretty reasonably play that just like beats Volpe. Yeah, actually, this is what I was going to mention. Yeah, the new card coming out, uh, Gouging Fire. And we actually did see a Charizard deck playing it. Um, they got to like KO an Arceus turn two with their gouging fire attack. Um, but yeah, it does 260 for fire, fire colors, and it has like a unique effect on the attack that we haven't really seen before. I don't think you can't attack with the second attack on gouging fire until it leaves the active. Yeah, but it's a continuous effect. It's not you can't do this on the next turn or you can't attack next turn. It's until this leaves the active, you can't use this attack, which is interesting because I don't think we've ever seen that before on a Pokemon. Yeah. Um, and then it's first, you do have the first attack, so you still could use Heat Blast for 60. But yeah, 260, Vulpix has 240 HP, you knock out Vulpix. Um, so this would be a pretty easy answer for Charizard to include to beat Vulpix. So I don't think Vulpix is like, Arceus Vulpix is not a good deck, it's a meta deck, right? It's a meta call deck. Like we've yeah, seen a lot of Arc Honestly, super sick before. meta call for this tournament. So shout yeah. outs to this player for that. Because I think Charizard was by far the most popular deck, and it was hated on quite a bit. We'll go through a couple more lists here and we can kind of see the, the Charizard hate stack up. Another deck. That just has a good Charizard matchup is third place, which is the third place, eighth place, eleventh place. Snorlax control. It's still here. Echoing Horn's gone, and this list doesn't even play the Mantine. And the Mantine basically tries to replace Echoing Horn. Um, so basically, your win condition with the Snorlax deck is always trap something in the active. You got Erica's invitation to interact with your opponent's hand. You take Pokemon from there, put it on their bench, and bring it to the active. 
and then you have Echoing Horn. Before rotation, you had Echoing Horn, so your opponent couldn't just Ultra Ball away all of their basic Pokemon you were trying to trap, and then couldn't interact with them. So you could Echoing Horn it out of the discard pile. So your opponent couldn't actually Ultra Ball those Pokemon to the discard pile. Um, and what we've seen people try and replace that with is the Mantime, which puts a basic Pokemon on either player from either player's discard pile onto that player's bench for a colorless energy. Um, but this build that got third place actually doesn't play the Mantime, which was interesting. Um, actually, I didn't even really realize that, but Manti can actually get Pokemon, your own Pokemon as well, if you really wanted to. If you um, really wanted to, if you're yeah. re really desperate for another Snorlax or something <laughs> like that. I mean, if another could. Mimikyu wins you the game potentially or something like yeah, that. True, then... It's true, it's true, it's yeah, true. Um, this list doesn't play the Manti. Um, yeah, I, the thing, so I'm not surprised that Snorlax is still good, right? It really didn't lose that much to rotation. And Echoing Horn's pretty, I think it would like to have Echoing Horn back, but yeah. Of course. Sure. But it's like a, a manageable loss, right? Like the the core of the it's archetype like is still here. Countercatcher plus Snorlax and Erica's Invitation, right? And it did get a little bit of a boost as well with the Eerie, this new supporter, which is like crazy, crazy good for a deck strategy like this. Um, yeah. So I'm not surprised to see that Snorlax is still good in this format. I am a little surprised to see that it succeeded in Japan's format, right? Because we play a 50 minute best of three, but in Japan they play a 25 minute best of one and a tie equals a double game loss for both players. Yep. And I think part <laughs> of that, uh, like because of the format is probably one of the main reasons that we see that these players are including the Chi UEX in their list. I think two of the three players had the Chi UEX in their deck. Yeah. Just discard the top two cards of your opponent's deck. Maybe they would play the Crabominable if that was still legal. The Crabominable did the same thing for water energy, but you, also can make your opponent second guess about a Radiant Charizard if you do play the Fire Energy. Yeah. Um. So you got that going for you as well. And yeah, the new addition of Eerie, between Chi Yu plus Eerie, I, I mean, it was enough, right? There was three Snoraxes in top 16, um, and, you know, two of them went a little bit further. Uh, and the Eerie does offer off, like, you do lose the Echoing Horn as, like, a win condition, but the, the Eerie offers up, like, a new win condition of run your opponent out of switch cards, which... You know, if you because the only way you had to interact with your opponent's deck pre Eerie was Misfortune Sisters to discard switch cards out of their deck. But if they ever got the switch cards in their hand and could just keep them there, then you'd have to like do a combination of Iono plus somehow make your opponent shuffle their deck so the the, I don't, the switch cards aren't just on the bottom of the deck. So you'd have to like Misfortune Sisters twice to force the shuffle of their deck. Yeah. Um, to then be able to have Misfortune Sisters act interact with the switch cards, but now you can just Eerie them. And you look at their hand, you can see what's going on as well, right? So all of a sudden it could turn a pretty bad turn into, oh, wait, they don't have access to this or that. And now I can make this play because I've seen their hand with Eerie, right? So, yeah, Eerie's definitely a, a big boost. Offers up some new win conditions um, where you can kind of get the switch cards out of their hand as opposed to them just kind of holding them for as long as they possibly can. Um, I think Echoing Horn was definitely a hit. But like we said, the Mantine exists, but we see this list doesn't even have, Man have Mantine. So, yeah, Eerie plus the Hero's Cape. In the big I think the 10th place list here. Yeah, they did have the Mantine. I think both of the lists had Mantine. If I'm this not one had Noivern EX as well. Yeah, <laughs> this one had some interesting two Mimikyu. Uh, what does the Squall Vet even do? There's it just Squall discards the top card of your opponent's deck. Oh, so, it's, so like, it's like Chi because Light. they don't play Fire Energy, right? Because they play oh. Colorless Energy for the Noivern. And they have that what? Co what is it? Co what does the Covert Flight do again? Can't be hit by basic Pokemon. Yeah, your your opponent's turn prevent damage done to this Pokemon by attacks from basic Pokemon. Is that beating? Uh, Iron Hands. Yeah. Yeah. Iron Hands. Not really Chimpow. They can attack with Backscalibur, right? Yeah. It beats the Ancient Box deck okay, if they maybe. don't have a Roaring Moon EX. Okay. 
I'm not convinced that that is good, to be honest. <laughs> it's a lot of deck space for. I'm curious on the matchups where it's like most impactful. It seems like. Yeah. I'm not sure about. I'm not sure about the the Neuvern. Um, also, they only play one Ultra Ball. Oh, I guess you have Arvin though to find it plus four Seal Stone, so you can get that. You can get like a turn two Neuvern. Actually, that actually wouldn't be too ridiculous. I guess you only have four energy, but between four Seal Stone plus Arvin plus Ultra Ball, you might be able to get there. Um, yeah. So then I guess the Squovet replaces the. GU in that aspect, but basically the exact same kind of list here, right? Like nothing too crazy different. Yeah. Take a yeah, look at the, the eighth place list, I guess, real fast. See if they had anything wild. But they, they had the Mantine. While. Yeah. Once again, nothing too crazy different here either. Um, Temple of Sinnoh. And then kind of in the Jets. same vein, you know, these are control decks, but there was also a mill deck that did pretty well on the weekend. Is this the player that went 9-0 in day one? Yeah, they one? started 9-0 in day one. Then we saw them round one of day two, and they started off 10-0, I believe. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, someone was saying in my chat that this is one of the Elite Four members over in Japan as well. Um, so don't quote me on that, but... Um, they did, I believe, win... Yeah, Japan Nationals back in 2022. Oh, with the Reggies, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, the mill deck, it looks pretty good. Uh, it looks decent for sure. They made it look pretty good. I think um, the, the innovation here of the one Comfey with the two, uh, what is this, emergency board? Yeah, emergency yeah. board is actually pretty cool because I think that's one thing I had heard from people who were trying this deck is that, you know, if something just knocked out your Great Tusk every single turn, you were kind of left scrambling. Um, yeah, but that's so extra... not here to, you know, put cards in your lost zone. It's just like here to help you draw cards, right? Help yeah, you like you'd probably stuff. play Mysterious Tale Mew if that was still legal. Yeah. Uh, maybe though, maybe you would play this over that. But Mysterious Tale Mew to get Pokey Gear to get a supporter sounds pretty good. Find your pal pads, find your super rod. But we don't have Mysterious Tale Mew anymore. But we do have the board, and Comfy is kind of the only. We I mean we see this a lot in Pokemon where we do when we do have something access to like an air balloon or a float stone. A lot of decks play like these Pokemon to send up a uh, at the beginning of your turn. Yeah, to then pivot into your next attacker or give you the option of going from uh, attacker A or attacker B depending on how you draw. Um, and get you some like value right um and we see here it's got to utilize that comfy for that value you know every time a great tusk gets knocked out you get a flower slug dude right that's like plus over the over the course of the game that could be plus you know five even six cards if you start with it and then you're also lost owning five or six cards that are ideally not game ending for you to all of a sudden loss zone um, and makes it so that you can actually have a higher chance of getting through your deck and actually pulling off uh, consistent great tusk attacks so a lot of times these decks do have kind of a harder time winning when you play against people who are like a little bit more skilled, right? A little bit more experienced yeah. people who have played against these like types of strategies before they'll slow things down. They don't really play a lot of cards out of their hand, out of their deck if they don't have to, but I mean, you still got to play something right. And like, you know, I mean, we see that they're playing stuff to try to mess with their opponent as much as they can, the counter catcher. Um, and then, like, I mean, this thing does mill a lot of cards. Four cards a turn yeah, does a turn. stack up pretty quickly. I mean, what, you need nine turns, I think, to deck your opponent out with this, something like that? Yeah, so you got the counter catchers, and you have the, the tool cards as well to make it harder for your Great Dust to get KO'd. If your opponent whiffs an attack or two, they can all of a sudden get put in a situation, or whiffs a KO or two in a row, they can put in a situation where they can't just they just can't win the game anymore before you mill them out. And then you got the Eerie in here as well to be a little bit disruptive, try and combo with that counter catcher. You know, take some switch cards out of their hand or whatever it might be, and then try and trap something in the active with the counter catcher, or like even get rid of stuff like super rods and pal pads, things that you can use to recover cards. Um, I think the one thing we could see here is there's no hand clippers in this build, which is interesting. Hand clippers, new item card. Um, you is it you and your opponent? 
I think it's just your opponent. Oh, is it just your opponent? For some reason, I thought it was both. Well, you, you, your opponent discards until they have five cards left in hand. So one of the things you can do... Oh, no, both players discard it is their both hand. both players, yeah. sorry. Until yeah. They have five, so yeah, both players discard their hand until they have five cards left in their hand. The reason this is so powerful against your opponent is you are trying to mill out their deck, but what one of the strategies implemented against mill decks is find a uh, shuffle draw supporter or a, a supporter that puts your hand back in your deck and then draws cards afterwards, like a judge, like an Iono. Uh, hold on to it until you are low in deck size, have, don't have that many prize cards left, play it, and then put all those cards in your hand back in your deck that you've been top decking and drawing off your prize cards for the last couple turns, and then uh, up your deck size overall after that uh, after that turn. So um, the hand clippers, like, theoretically is good for that reason. So even if they make that play happen, maybe you still win with the Great Tusk eventually. You obviously no hand clippers here in, uh, in this build specifically. Yeah, and they did have the one Mimikyu, a couple Psychic Energy as well. It feels like most decks in the format do have an answer for the Mimikyu for the most part. I'm not sure what matchup. I mean, it could force your opponent to play the game. It could be one thing, right? You go up against like an Arctina, and it's like they don't even they have one Arc hitting you, and they're like, and then you're like, okay, send a Mimikyu, and now they have to create a Tina with Shred to actually match your Mimikyu, right? Sure. So if, like for situations like Forces that, I feel them like to is, play cards, pull cards out yeah. of their deck. Go up against yeah. Charizard. They're attacking with Charizard. You send a Mimikyu. Now they have to set up the Charmeleon, right? Or you will eventually win with the Mimikyu. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, this is definitely an interesting one. And now, I mean, I guess it's time we finally talk about BDIF, most popular deck. Who knows? But really it most is popular. the Charizard. <laughs> uh, and it does seem like Charizard Bieberl has emerged as the more popular way to play it. So, first off, let's did see that last that. format, though. We did, we did see, see that, that last at the beginning format. Of, yeah. The beginning of Paradox Red format, it was kind of the same thing. And we eventually made our way back to the Pidgeot build. Um, I honestly don't know which one is better. There's no path now. So there is like maybe less reason to play B-Barrel. But there's the other reasons why B-Barrel is better. Less two prize liabilities on board. A little bit lower to the ground. A little bit more straightforward. You can um, buddy Poffin for Bidoof. You can't buddy Poffin for uh, Rotom. Yeah, the access to Rotom is a thing as well. Um, so yeah, I'm actually not really too sure which one is more powerful. We were actually, I actually saw two or three people in the tournament playing B-Barrel and Pidgeot. Um, the ultimate consistency draw power on board. They were like 2-2 B-Barrel with a 101 Pidgeot, which is interesting. And maybe that is the better way to go, just have everything. Um, but yeah, we saw the, the most successful build here be a B-Barrel build, but there was still a Pidgeot building cut as well. And we see this one, the big uh, one big discussion that's kind of popped up is Prime Catcher versus uh, Maximum Belt and Charizard decks. And uh, we see Prime Catcher here in this one. Yeah, this one did go with the catcher. They also are playing the Cryptomaniacs Deciphering, which is kind of interesting, or uh, Decoding. I don't know. We don't know what the actual name of this card is going to be. Codebreaker Solution. Codebreaker Solution, of course. I've, yeah. I've seen multiple <laughs> translations for this card. It's everything. So. <laughs> it's everything. Um, but yeah, this is like a reprint card of you know a couple older cards in the game, Mallow and Oracle, but you just search your deck for two cards, put them on top of your deck in any order. Yeah. So you can then use B-Barrel to draw into them. Or if you're afraid of getting Iono, you can just leave them there. Like if you have everything you need for turn, you can end your it turn by... It is a little bit of an Iono-proof option. Yeah. Right? And that's actually why we maybe have started to see... This was someone mentioned in my chat earlier. Is like that's a reason to like start to play Roxanne as opposed to just Ionos and stuff like Charizard potentially. Or Judge. Then you can... Uh, yeah. Well, judges, you know, I mean, getting four cards versus two is a pretty big difference. So sure, sure. you can still want to go towards the... You can play Judge more Roxanne. often in the game though. Yeah, that is true. That is true um but yeah i don't know i don't know which build the charizard is best to be honest i've not played at all in the format so uh, i think it could definitely be a situation just like last format though where it's like well pidgeot's still just better 
We just need to wait until we get there. This list was pretty interesting. They had the Iron Bundle in here, and then they also did still play the Pokemon V with the Forest Seal Stone. Honestly, it feels like people... I mean, that might just be a tech for the, the Vulpix, to be honest. That the Bundy? For, yeah, sure. Yeah. They do have this, the uh, Prime Catcher in here as well, which would be able to... Is that a better around, tech than but... Gouging Fire? I don't know. I mean, it has other situations where it's good as well, right? It's kind of like... Escape Rope has always been... So does Gouging like a... Fire. Yeah, of course. We're putting like a lower HP two prizer in your active. Like Escape Rope's always been a good card in Charizard. So if you can kind of replicate that with the Iron Bundle, maybe that's what they're kind of going for here. Um, they do have a switch card in here as well, but I could I could see that being their reasoning for wanting the Iron Bundle. Just to be able to push your opponent's active out of the way, just knock out the next thing with Charizard. Yeah, bundle Guarantee the Vulpix to the bench card. and then Prime Catcher or boss it back up. Yeah, something like that, maybe. Not too um, sure. And then here's the Pidgeot Zard build. They got top 16. The interesting thing to me in this yeah. <laughs> list is the inclusion of the Hero Cape as the A-spec. No Prime Catcher, no Maximum Belt. It is the Hero Cape. Yeah, so I think that heavily plays around the Maximum Belt in Mirror Match. Um, you can play around that. You can put that on your Pidgeot. Because now with Maximum Belt, after your opponent draws two prize cards, you can boss KO their Pidgeot with a Maximum Belt, which is kind of scary. Or Counter Catcher it. And then also against Tina, like Arctina, um, maximum belt plays around Arctina. Um, uh, <laughs> Heroes does force Chin Pao to have all eight of their water yeah. energy in play in order to <laughs> yeah. knock out your Charizard. So that is a thing as well. That's a thing. And then also Verizian can't KO a Charizard with a Heroes Cape. So oh yeah, there is like there is some value there. There is some value. I don't know if like. Yeah. It's not very good in the mirror match overall because like Charizard plays vacuum, right? Every Charizard deck plays a vacuum still, which makes sense because you have Arvin. So for mirror match tech, it's not great. So I think you'd be coming up a little bit short in the mirror match. If um you've come up a little bit short in the mirror match, if you're playing a hero's cape and your opponent has prime catcher or the maximum belt. But if mirror match isn't the number one priority, then all of a sudden the hero's cape becomes pretty good, I feel like. There were a couple of lost box builds in the top eight. Another deck that, um, you know, it doesn't really lose too terribly much to the rotation. You lose battle VIP pass, but you get the buddy poffin, which is, you know, almost the same thing in a lot of scenarios. You can't get Greninja, can't get Sableye, can't get Cramorant, but it's still like obviously very powerful. You do get the emergency board, which is honestly really nice as well. Yeah. Constant pivot for your comb feed. More lost I, vacuum I, targets as well. Prime catcher the, is pretty good in the deck too. The lack of ditto surprised me. I don't think any of the lost zone decks played ditto, um, which you can poffin for, and then that can become a cram, or even depending on how, how what your hand composition is, it could become something like a Greninja, right? Or like Raikou V to like turn one attack if you have a pop yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. So I was really surprised to see the lack of the lack of ditto in here. To be honest, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Besides that, it, it is just a loss on deck, right? There's not too too much to talk about here. It's just kind of the hands moon build um, that we've seen before. There was another one at the bottom there. They had the TM Crisis in here, Crisis Punch, both having the Iron Bundle to play around. Actually, what we saw a couple of Charizard players playing was Fluttermane. There was some Fluttermanes out there in the Charizard deck, so I think that's the reason for the the Iron Bundle here is to have an out to that Fluttermane because Fluttermane only interacts with your with the opponent's active Pokemon's abilities. Um, it shuts that down no matter what the active Pokemon is, it doesn't have an ability, um, and except for Fluttermane or Flutter Fluttering of the Night. Um, so against Comfies, you just completely shut down their Comfies. Um, and now that Escape Rope's not in Lost Home decks, you don't really need like in the past to play around 
lost home decks as comb fees, lost boxes comb fees, you needed double Klefki in play to play around escape rope. But with the flutter main and uh, escape rope gone, you can uh, get a flutter main there. And actually, actually, flutter main has like an okay attack if your opponent's doing nothing, right? 90, put two damage counters on your opponent's bench, one anyway. Like, yeah. Have a comfy 20 to something while you're just sitting there building up your board as Charizard or something. Yeah, this is another card that's definitely like just good. People got the and also like the idea of escape roping your opponent has always been good in Lost Zone decks. So the Iron Bundle is also there for that. It's a out to the Flutter Main. It's an out to hey, I don't want to hit your active with my cram turn one. So I'm going to go ahead and use Iron Bundle Knight to give me something else. And then another deck that was pretty well represented in the top 16 here, and I would say probably throughout the tournament as well, is the Arctina. It's back, baby! Yeah, so Arctina. speaking of... I was talking about decks that were, like, teched out for Charizard. This list has the Verzian, Iron Leaves, the Maximum Belt, and two TM Devolution. <laughs> they just, like... And yeah. two Eerie. And two Eerie. They were just done. They were like, you know what? <laughs> I'm sick of Charizard. I hate Charizard. Everything in. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, I imagine they probably beat every single Charizard they played against. I think that break. this combo of cards seems insane. TM Devo plus Eerie. Against Charizard. I mean, against anything with Rare Candy in it, really. Charizard. Right now, yeah. I guess, I guess honestly, GM Pow, it could be Kuga's in value there as well. All right. I could see it. Yeah. TM Devo the squad. Takeaways. Uh, you, if you there was a couple like, of on the stream throughout the weekend. It wasn't super popular, obviously, yeah. but that's another thing that exists, right? You catch superiors as well against like um, that matchup. But yeah, how often path, when you've but... played Chim Pow in the past have you been like, okay, I need all four of my superior to win this game? <laughs> Not very often, to be honest, but you usually need three. Um, yeah, but did, them, yeah, them sure, just sure. catching one can definitely make things awkward for sure, to be honest. like Because a, a lot of times one. you do discard one with you know an Ultra Ball or something like that. Yeah, for somewhere sure. along so, the way. Yeah, honestly, for the GM Pow matchup as well, the Eerie's pretty good. And then we do see the Guardvor, the Radiant uh, Guardvor. Usually there's not Radiant Pokemon played in most Arctina builds, but uh, it does reduce the damage that your opponent's Pokemon V Pokemon do to your Pokemon. So it's basically there to pair up with your Arceus and Tina's into opposing Tina's, where their yeah. loss impact can't KO your Tina or your Arceus. Or, yeah, yeah, Tina or your Arceus with a loss impact. So got that going for you for the Mirror Match tech right there. Yeah, and I'm trying to think. I don't think there's really any other super relevant interactions. It would stop like a Raikou from KOing a 220 HP Pokemon yeah. like the Iron Leaves. But yeah, it's really just for the Tina. But if you just don't bench the Radiant Guard War, they can't KO you anyway. <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> um, um, there was another Arctina. We can take a look at that list real fast. Yeah, Less checked out different. for Charizard, but it has grabbers. It's got some grabbers in there. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that, to be honest. That's what are we grabbing? I guess we're going like Iona or Judge and then Grabber or Charizard. I mean, it's not bad. I don't dislike it. I don't hate it. But there's only two Judge in this build as well, which is interesting. Like, we're playing Grabbers, but we'll only have two Judge. But also, with so many, one thing I did point out with this is with so many hand disruption supporters, sometimes it's just nice to look at your opponent's hand before you Judge or Iona them. You're like, oh, wait, your hand's dead. All right, I'm not going to play this. I'm just going to punch your active, you know? So. That's something I guess that's in here for Bring sure. back Lavender Town. Come on. Yeah, bring back Lavender Town. Honestly, that wouldn't be like a terrible stadium to play. Just have the information of your opponent's hand, especially if you're playing like a B-barrel deck where like you could still have anything on your next turn irrelevant if they see your hand. Even their, the information on their hand could be worth it. For sure. It's true. 
Um, and then there was a couple other decks here to talk about. There's the Ancient Box that got ninth place. We don't have the deck list for that one. Unlucky. Um, there is a Lost Tina here. You know, losing Path to the Peak. A lot of people thought that would be pretty bad for the Lost Tina, and it is pretty bad. But it is pretty bad. Yeah, I think it is pretty does bad. Does still have some uh, some life in it. You know, I mean, all its attackers are still here. Um, no Battle VIP pass, but you know, still have Nest Ball. You got the Buddy Poffin. In the Iron Leaves for the the Charizard matchup. The Prime Catcher, the Emergency Board, the Tech Forest Seal Stone in the yeah. Tina deck. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but it is like I did like if you don't really Starrock is like really good against the Charizard matchup, but if you're not up against the Charizard matchup, it definitely becomes a little bit less important. So having the Forest Seal Stone in there, I don't hate, but I'm not sure I like it either. And actually, this is this is another list where I was surprised there was no Ditto because like uh, Abyss Seeking turn one. Happens pretty often. Sure, you can't jet up the Ditto and then make the Ditto into the Tina, but yeah. there's a lot of times where you do attach a basic energy to a I Tina. I think if you could do that, Ditto would the be active. so much better. Oh, yeah, then it would be insane. Then it would yeah. be insanely good for sure. But yeah, yeah, once again, I'm still kind of surprised to not see the Ditto here. But. And then the last list to talk about, we actually got to hop over to TCG Legends. So the guy who got what? 14th place uh i think he put his deck list behind a paywall right but someone uh posted it online and then alex over here at tcg legends posted it up here but it's just like a turbo iron hands deck it's not even that turbo either though because you attack with maridon first for sure like well it is it is an iron hands deck it is an iron hands. i don't think you can call this future box it is an iron no it's not it's future hands yeah. yeah, the future is now, and it's all iron hands. Um, <laughs> I've seen not the future. future it's all iron. <laughs> this is what Jake Gearhart was scared of. You know, he was just early. Um, <laughs> yeah, did get top 16. It's a very interesting deck, for sure. Um, you only attack with iron hands after you attack with, like, Maridon initially, and your goal is to just kind of win the prize trade from there on the back of iron hands. And the way it's built is interesting, because if you look at the gust effects, it's only counter catchers. So... Yeah. I, that was really surprising yeah. to me. The way you're strategizing is you give up the Maridon first. Your opponent KOs the Maridon. You go down in prize cards. And then from there, you just stay down in prize cards until you win the game. Okay. So if your sure. opponent goes knock out a one prizer, and then you just go punch their Charizard with arm press. And then they go, okay, punch your iron hands. And then you go, okay, knockout. And they bring up another Charizard, and they punch, uh, and they uh, knock out your iron hands, and then you go punch that Charizard with iron hands. And yeah, this point, is pretty interesting because it's a deck that, it does force the seven prize yeah. game every game, yeah. which is something we haven't really seen in a little while. I mean, that yeah. was like a big part of the game for a long, long time was like forcing the seven prize game. So for anyone who doesn't know really what we mean, it's like, you know, if you attack with this one prize Maridon first, you force your opponent to knock it out. And then if your next three attackers are all two prize Pokemon, the iron hands in this instance, they no still have to take six prizes to win the game. Yeah. So they still are working like they have to take seven prizes to win the game. Yeah. And um, I don't think this is as good in, I think this, this list is very good in best of one in a new format. Best two out of three. Once this deck has been kind of been put out there and things develop a little bit more, I don't think you're going to be able to get away with no bosses orders. I think they'll be able to like, they'll be like, I'm just going to not like how you're ride on here. I'm going to boss punch your iron hands. You're going to be like, well, that sucks. I don't have access to counter catcher the way I want to as the game progresses, right? Yeah, I think we'll see that a little bit. Um, is yeah, people will be able to play around it, but I think in like, I think it's a really good play for best of one, especially early on in this format, right? 
I'm play, I get they, I bet they played against a ton of players who just like always second guess them having boss. And of course, you could always kind of play it down the line where you can utilize counter catcher or just kind of win on board. Um, and we see like in this build specifically, like, yeah, it's all about Iron Hands, Arvin Iona research, uh, the heavy batons. For anyone who doesn't know, the heavy baton says if it's attached to a Pokemon with four retreat cost, um, and that Pokemon is knocked out by damage from attack of your opponent's Pokemon, you can move up to three basic energy from that Pokemon to your other Pokemon any way you like. So this is what allows you to chain the Iron Hands so efficiently. Right, and, and the other thing in here that energy, was interesting yeah. is yeah, the three gift energy included help play around the late game Ionos and Roxanne's and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, so like this deck could definitely be tech four in terms of understanding that it only plays countercatcher is one thing, but then stuff like Temple of Sinnoh or eventually Enhanced Hammer will also have a pretty big effect against this deck as well. So, it's a little cheesy. Yeah, it's cool. It's a cool deck. It's an interesting deck. I think it'll have to adapt for sure. I think it's though. definitely the coolest deck that we saw from this top 16, right? Like the most I mean, unique there was, deck. There was Mill. Well, yeah, but that was this was like a known quantity, right? Be Mill. Yeah, but this was like... This, <laughs> yeah, this is, is definitely this... the coolest, most innovative deck for sure in the yeah, top yeah, 16. Yeah. That's for sure, yeah. I agree with you, definitely. All I think right. it's the last one, right? That is the last unique deck. I think we've looked at all the top 16... The ancient um, box to keep it under wraps yeah the ancient box no leaks on the ancient box from naoto here um but yeah we made five predictions going into the weekend so let's take a look at how we did on our predictions first off um most popular a spec in top 16 azul predicted the prime catcher i also predicted the prime catcher and we were sort of right it was actually a tie and yeah. it is a tie with a card we wouldn't have expected it to be with. So there was five prime catcher in the top 16 and there was also five heroes cape in the top 16. Yeah. Kind of crazy Carried by the control archetype. Yeah. The sure. control is really, yeah, definitely the controls carrying that hard. I mean, the mill was in there and then, yeah, the one Charizard player chose to play it as well. The split. That was definitely a surprise. Yeah. I did not expect five, five heroes cape was unexpected. I don't know if we give ourselves the double on that one, to be honest, because well, it was the most popular alongside the cape. So I guess that is still most popular. I think it still counts, but I think That's it is dub. interesting as well that it wasn't like, you know, 12 out of the deck out of the 16 played prime catcher. Right. I think it was like more variety too. than that, which is good to see. Yeah. I think the, you know, Charizard is kind of forcing a couple decks, especially with the, like the Artinas to play the maximum belt to have a shot in that matchup. So that's kind of forced into a couple decks, which isn't like a bad thing um and then we see kind of a little bit more variety of decks of like stuff that's a little bit less aggressive um uh not needing or not wanting to even play the prime catcher to begin with playing the cape the control stuff the mill stuff whatever it might be yeah i guess it's like good to see not too much prime catcher our next prediction was most played deck in the top 16 azul guest chien pow there was zero chien pow and i guessed charizard which was also tied with the most popular deck, which was uh, either Charizard or Control Snorlax. Oh, I think I did. I think I actually miscounted. There is six prime catchers. Oh, you miscounted? Yeah, because there's the three Lawson decks are prime catcher. Yeah. Two of the Charizard decks are prime catcher, and so is the Arceus Vulpix. Oh. Prime yeah. catcher does reign supreme here. Yeah. We got the dub. <laughs> Solidified dub. Yeah, a little bit of a miscount there. Uh, but yeah, and then. Most played deck in top 16, Azul said Champau. I said Charizard, and it was Charizard. Tied, Tied with, with the, control. With the, the Snorlax, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, still, the, no yeah, Chien I think Pao. that's probably one of the biggest surprises, honestly, is that there was no Chien Pao in the top 16, to be honest. Yeah, honestly, I don't even know how well it was doing in City Leagues, though. Um, Maybe it's like, just not that good, that. bro. Maybe not. Dude, it seems like it'd be so powerful with Prime Catcher. Like, it seems like it maybe gained... Path is gone. Yeah. It got Prime Catcher. Yeah. Zero in top 16. But is it also just one of those situations where people think the deck is bad, and then Owen's going to come and, like, win EUIC with it or something? Possibly. True. And then our next prediction was future or ancient. Azul predicted the future. I said ancient. Which one would do better? And they both did finish in the top 16, but... Naoto with the ninth place finish with the ancient box. Well, we don't know for sure it's ancient box. The list has not been out put out there. I think okay. we put this one on hold until confirmation. Uh, stop, the count. Re- stop the count. Stop the count. When Naoto releases the list, then we can lock in a victor. But for right now, I'll take the placeholder victory. Okay, hold on. What if they're just like playing one Roaring Moon and one of the other guy? Like, I mean, come on, it's possible. What deck does that? I don't know. A deck that wants to pretend to be Angel Box. Oh my gosh. Most played new EX card in the top 16. Azul predicted Iron Crown. I predicted the Iron Leaves. And what did we say? There was three Iron Leaves in the top 16. Yep. And unfortunately, only three of the Iron Crown because the Future Hands only ran three of them. Not the full four that could have been played. So it's a tie on that one. Is a tie there once again. The Iron Leaves did do better collectively. So it was just the number. The number is what we're concerned with. Like that's <laughs> not relevant. All right, but you, let's see how you try to take this one away from me because <laughs> our last prediction was what a spec will be in the winning deck. Azul said reboot pod going all in on the future box, and I also went all in. But it was on the Lugia because I predicted <laughs> Master Ball would be the number one A spec on the weekend, the the winning A spec on the weekend, and indeed it was Master Ball. Lugia V Star takes it down. Did I? I almost. I basically went five for five here, Azul. By the way, that's not true. Did you predict? Did you predict Lugia as well? Did you even bring up Lugia? I forget. Yes. Or did you just say Master Ball? Oh, okay, okay. The full clip was like Lugia's winning Master Ball in the Lugia. <laughs> I literally went yeah. five for five here, buddy. Come on. That's just not true. It's, it is literally true. Show, show me how it's not true. Well, we're tied on the, the new. No, yeah, the sure. We are tied, but I went yeah. five for five. Like I predicted all five things correctly that we laid out. Well, we haven't confirmed if it's ancient yet or not. So oh you're not confirmed on that. Um, So it's close so far. You're, you got a couple Bro, of them. Azul, you haven't closed it out. You're. We need more information. International champion. <laughs> You've won six regional championships. Just let me have this. Bro. Let me have this. This is all I wait have. For the, we'll wait for the rest of the information to come in to solidify the predictions. Until that point, no dubs can be given out. Wow. Um, so but yeah, this you're is right. how the you master ball all these years, huh? Master ball in the Lugia. And I guess maybe it is just the best spec in there, to be honest, right? Like we talked about that. Like, just find, I mean, actually, we didn't talk about that. There's the master ball in there. Yeah. Just finding your Pokemon is maybe just like that important. Like getting your Archaeops is really important, right? And I think it's like like this deck would definitely love to play Prime Catcher, right? Like Prime Catcher would be yeah. super good in here. Yeah. But I think like, yeah, the Master Ball is probably just a little too important. Like you probably are consistent enough without it. Why maybe? not be a little bit more? 
but like every little boost to the consistency helps here right yeah, especially if your prize trade is just knocking out their active turn after turn after turn like if you can't get two archaeops in play turn two this deck is not worth playing right so well, you, you want to do every game, everything you, you want can often. to maximize the chance of that exactly yeah so actually yeah i don't i don't hate the master mode i'll have to of course play it at play it myself and see if it makes that big of a difference or if uh it feels like the having something like the prime catcher is that much more powerful but yeah i'm, I'm definitely um i could definitely be convinced or i definitely could end up being convinced that master ball is just the way to go to be honest How about it this, feels a weird card but... that has been legal for years and years and years in the expanded format and it gets its <laughs> first limitless page <laughs> with a dove maybe more, many more to come potentially as well potentially potentially More entries lugia on top baby well azul i think that is going to do it for the episode this week before we get into the bonus episode though do you have anything else you want to add before i send us out of here nope send us out all right thanks as always to everyone for listening and supporting if you did enjoy as always please be sure to leave us a rating a review positive comment anything like that all those little things help us out a ton it's free it's super fast easy and it helps more people discover the podcast um and if you want to stay up to date with us and what's happening in our lives and also with the podcast you can follow us over on twitter you can follow myself at chip Ritchie. azul is at azul underscore gg and then you can follow the podcast as well at uncommon underscore energy the support as always catch y'all next week 7 a.m eastern on wednesday